We like to drink beer. A lot of it. After a long night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies, there's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than Just Brew Coffee. With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check out their online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your order of two pounds or more. And remember, they roast, you just brew. We've covered the timeline of events before Christmas 1996, the discovery of the body, and the criminal investigation of this horrific murder. Today we take a hard look at the top suspects and theories of this unsolved case. From her parents, to her brother, to a disgruntled business associate, to a sexual offender, we'll discuss the key individuals that many people believe to have committed this heinous crime. It seems everybody has their own theory as to what happened, and at the end, we'll share ours. Today we wrap up our series on the murder of John Benet Ramsey. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. Congrats, you made it to part four. Stick around. Much like a massage from a nun, tonight's conclusion does not have a happy ending. This is Necronomapod. I don't anticipate that additional testing is going to change the complexion of the investigation much. DNA is a part of the investigation, but it's not a major part. The Ramseys are presumed innocent. They remain presumed innocent. Uh, you know, I don't want to ha- say anything that would undercut that presumption of innocence, but I've never thought the exoneration letter was a particularly important um, document or that it in any way was binding on me or my office. If I ever develop evidence, uh, admissible evidence, that, that I believe can prove a charge beyond a reasonable doubt against a specific individual, I will file charges. Um, previous exonerations, clearings, that kind of thing will make no difference to me. simply be the evidence. All right, so we got a request from Miss Marin on Instagram who said she misses our F. Mary Kills. Really? Even after that whole year-end show with like 57 of them? I told her we had been we were taking a little break because we put so many at the uh, the end of uh, the show for, the, for that one that we were taking a little hiatus. Right. But I said, if you got anything for us, let us know and we'll throw it out there. At the time, Miss Marin was watching Friends and said... How about the uh, the girls on Friends? So I ask you guys today, and I'm going to say at the show, not current, Friends the show, Courtney Cox, Jennifer Aniston, Lisa Kudrow, F. Mary Kill. I'm going to kill Lisa Kudrow. Is she uh, the, the one with the blonde hair? Yes. Okay. I generally prefer brunettes, but in this scenario. I don't know if that, that's not even a word. <laughs> I'm going to. Want to marry Jennifer Aniston? Was Jennifer Aniston a blonde in the show, though? I know she wasn't as dark as Courtney uh, Cox. Yeah, no, you know, I usually like the dark hair. So, Mary, you said Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. F. Courtney Cox kill yeah. Lisa Kudrow. I would, I would kill Lisa Kudrow. Nowadays, I'd marry Jennifer Aniston, but going friends, I think I'd marry Courtney Cox and I'd F. Jennifer Aniston. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, what's her name? The one. The blonde is Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would kill her. F. Jennifer Aniston and Mary Courtney really? Cox. So yeah. you're in agreement. I thought about that, but yeah. I thought Courtney Cox during those days was smoking. Yeah, like oh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston movies? was too, and Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston still was smoking. Jennifer Aniston turned out to be extraordinary, though. So I have to go with her. Who is aged better, Jennifer Aniston or Jennifer Lopez? That's a close tie, I think. God damn, they're smoking both. I think I'm gonna go with Jennifer Lopez, but both are phenomenal. I don't think I can answer that one. So I asked the ch- the females. I got to ask the guys. Yeah. David Schwimmer, Matt LeBlanc, Matthew Perry. Just tell me their names on the show. <laughs> Joey, Ross, and Chandler. Okay. David yeah, Schwimmer yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah, yeah. I Ross. Got it. I got it. Okay. I'm kill Ross. I don't like that guy. I liked him in the OJ show. He was, good oh, yeah, he was good as Kardashian. Yeah. I hated him in Band of Brothers ever since then. I just, just I've not watched dislike that. him. Is that on HBO? Mm-hmm. Now that I got HBO uh, now, boom. From, so I can watch Game of Thrones. So uh, one of our Discord listeners, uh, Whitney, said that she would watch The Office if I watch Game of Thrones. And I mm. took her up on that, and we're going to do it. So you're going to lose your testicles, but you're going to gain a bunch <laughs> of wieners watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, that's a sensitive subject. <laughs> you're, well, you're, actually, you're, I already did lose my testicles. <laughs> your your yeah, boy Mike here had, uh, had got snipped the, the other day. Snip snap a few days ago. Yeah. But he has HBO, so it's all right a lot of binge watching of that in my recovery it happens so i'm no longer a man as they say medically i'm a eunuch i'm a eunuch well how did you how did your vasectomies go they cut off your dick and balls right <laughs> only because ian and i gave your doctor extra 50 bucks to make it interesting <laughs> and they say hey doc when this comes out in the press we're gonna do a show about you <laughs> the old dangle snatcher oh, that's funny all right, so Dave, you're killing Ross or David Schwimmer. Yeah, I'm marrying uh, Matthew Perry. And, and F and Matt LeBlanc. Sure. But what were their names again? Ross. Chandler Joey. and jo- Joey. Ross, Chandler, Joey. Uh, kill Chandler. F, Joey, and Mary Ross. Oh, I'm yeah. the exact same as you. Mm-hmm. I actually thought David Schwimmer was the best actor on that show. I think, I think he's a great actor. He's funny. Mm. I don't care for him. I like him. At the time, I because I didn't really watch Friends much, but at the time, you know, you'd see it. It was it was a huge mm. show. I was a big fan of Joey on the show, but that was only in watching reruns. I couldn't really get into it. I didn't watch that show. I don't really know the um, whole thing. If you try to watch it nowadays, I, it does not stand the test of time. Mm. It is the corniest show maybe ever made. I don't know why anyone would try to watch it these days. But I think people still do. Mm. But I mean, you can go back. You can watch like Seinfeld cheers or all in the family or mash and those shows i think just hold up you try to watch friends and it's just i don't think it does it's just fluff crap yeah just like the big bang theory the worst show in history tv but and well when big bang theory got huge but friends got i think even bigger right like that was like the show yeah i think that's right yeah it was super popular i also can't watch any show nowadays that has a laugh track like even older shows Mm. i just can't I guess Seinfeld maybe I tolerate, but eh, yeah, I don't tough. love laugh tracks. No, I don't need to be told in the to laugh. Like I, I get the humor. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I like Family Matters. That has a laugh track. I haven't seen that in a while. I wonder if that holds up. In my mind, it does. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> so you still sit there sometimes and think about it and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Is that with the the cop from Die Hard? Yeah, yeah, and Urkel. Urkel. You can't answer. You never even seen Die Hard. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding, I knew I knew he's I'm in kidding. Die Hard. 
because I remember seeing a clip and being like, what the fuck is Carl Winslow doing in this show? He's supposed to be a Chicago police officer uh, living with his family. Does Die Hard take place in Chicago? No. No. Mexico City, right? <laughs> Carl Winslow. No one fucking watches Die <laughs> What is he talking about? That's his character on Family Matters. <laughs> oh. Carl yeah. Winslow. I don't watch that. I have no idea. See? Is this what it's like when you guys make jokes and I don't get them? Because <laughs> that's frustrating. So speaking of humor, this episode has none of it. <laughs> no, not so much. Finally going to go through and uh, talk about all the suspects and kind of lay it all out there now. Yeah, we're going to wrap it all up. Um, well, the only thing, so to speak, yeah, in the best way possible. You know, like going into this, uh, two things I want to say off the right off the top. First one, there is an, a really good website that I used for a lot of the uh, research. It's uh, John Bonet Encyclopedia. I don't know the actual URL, but if you Google those words, it comes up. It has a lot of a uh, lot of solid information, but it also has a lot of things that say Internet Poster as the cited source for it. So I, I did not use any of that. So if that's what anybody's looking for, we know there's some some nice people over on YouTube that have some strong opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not not using anything that said Internet Poster. So. It's like a, a, a an opinion from you know Jack Off Bill ninety four <laughs> right. is not really a valid source, <laughs> right. Yeah. right? So if you're looking for those theories, it's not happening. And then the other thing we we didn't really touch on the DNA or the boot the footprints. So just real quick off the top, there was touch DNA found from John Bonet's body, and they have it listed as an unknown male, and from four different locations, right? And it was all the same DNA. Right. And then the other thing is two sets of footprints in the basement. One belonged to a high-tech boot, was the brand high-tech, and the other were unknown shoes. And they could not pull sizes from those boots. So those are the only two things that we... Those are the only two things that we didn't get to, but we'll touch on them throughout this episode. And no one in the Ramsey household had high-tech boots. Uh, There's some debate on if Burke had them or not. Oh, yeah. But But they stated that they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's some and there's some debate on if Burke had them or not. And like I said, they couldn't they couldn't put a size to the boot. So, hmm. all right, let's dive in. All right, so we know from part two and three that there's quite a bit of suspicion with John and Patsy Ramsey based on specifically how John acted the day John Bonet's body was found, and then their apparent hindering of the investigation the years after. People would generally point to Patsy or Burke as being responsible for the crime. So first we're going to dive into Patsy. I said in part two, when we were going over the autopsy, that I personally thought the whole bedwetting thing, her killing her over uh, over a bedwetting accident, uh, accidentally killing her, was just completely absurd in my opinion. I thought that was just ridiculous. But that's uh, that's Steve Thomas's main theory. I, I was wrong in that. We're going to have to get into it. Mm-hmm. It Contrary. does seem a little silly, though. <clears throat> it, it's just made up. Yeah, the accident is the main theory when you're just talking about if it's solely Patsy and the bedwetting is, you know, Steve Thomas. But I think it's working backwards to try to find, you know, you've already decided that she did, so now we got to work backwards and figure out why. Right. It just doesn't fit. Yeah. Well, maybe I should save that for after we talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Before we... um get into the theory i wanted to point out the only bit of outside evidence that people point to regarding this theory 
is that the Pediatric Association reports that statistically more child abuse happens during potty training or bedwetting issues than any other time in a child's life. And it's assumed mm-hmm. that it's, you know, parents are, it's just assumed that it's parents being frustrated over the kid not learning, not getting it, and then they get mad and hit the kid. Yeah. I mean, statistically, how many of those kids are enrolled in beauty pageants to make them look like an adult and (laughs) allow 1,500 people to walk through your house? So according to this theory, John Ramsey and Burke Ramsey would have been asleep through the whole incident. At some point, JonBenet woke up because she wet the bed, and a, quote, explosive encounter happened in the child's bathroom in which Patsy, quote, slammed JonBenet's head against a hard surface, such as the edge of a tub, inflicting a mortal head wound. According to Steve Thomas, quote, it was that critical moment in which she had to either call for help or find an alternative explanation for her daughter's death, to which if you believe this theory, Patsy chose against calling 911 and move forward with staging everything. I just don't see it. I mean, I guess people do panic in the heat of the moment and make the wrong decision sometimes, but I don't know. Well, going forward with this theory, Patsy would have moved JonBenet's body to the wine cellar room, then up, then went upstairs to write the ransom note. When she back, went back to the wine cellar, she would have realized that JonBenet was still alive, and this is based on expert opinions that the brain swelling recorded in the autopsy would have allowed JonBenet to live for an additional 45 minutes to two hours after oh. being hit in the head. Not necessarily conscious, but still alive. So, again, instead of calling 911 when she would have realized that John Bonet was still alive, Patsy decided to make the garrote and strangle John Bonet. Steve Thomas goes on to theorize that John Ramsey would have become suspicious in the morning after reading the ransom note because he would have been able to see similarities in Patsy's handwriting and what mm. she talked about. But instead, he decided to go along with it and protect patsy so not just suspicious but knowing that she did it yeah at that point yeah according to steve thomas in his opinion that's when john ramsey became complicit in the crime Mm. according to reporter charlie brennan quote steve thomas's book made it clear his belief that patsy ramsey was responsible for the murder and attributes that belief to others in his department up to and including boulder police chief mark beckner when Beckner was detective bureau commander. The Serif Consulting Company that we talked about last week that was hired to make a profile based on the ransom note, uh, they were hired by the Boulder Police Department. This was written up by a guy named Dale Yeager, and he was a uh, he has really high credentials in, in law enforcement. Oh, okay. So, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah he's, not, he's not some random guy. Huh. So he, he came up with the following... That the individual who committed this act had no previous experience with the killing of a human being. The strangulation and blunt trauma to the skull meant that the offender tried one method of killing the girl and then changed to a different method out of frustration. One of these methods failed and the person resorted to a second method to kill the victim. The contusions and other secondary injuries may have been attempts to control the victim during a struggle or strikes of frustration when the child did not die on the first attempt. Based on my experience, this crime was done by an intimate person who knew the victim and had an emotional attachment to the victim. If the forensic information that I have is correct, the offender attempted strangulation first. The offender was, in my opinion, connected to the victim in an emotional way. Patsy Ramsey is a delusional sociopath. 
Based on our experience with religious sociopaths, we believe that she saw John Monet's death as a sacrifice for sins she had committed. Look, it's That's aggressive a- at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes from like laying out just like this description to yeah. just straight up calling her a sociopath. That's why I said last week when I brought up the Serif Consulting Company, I'm like, I, I don't know how credible I find it when you throw in something mm-hmm. like that in, into it. It's a bit it. of a stretch. I mean, what evidence is he using to base that on? I don't know. Well, it's it's just like, a, it's he's profiling, right? And then all of a sudden, like just throwing in, <laughs> oh, and by the way, this person is a nut and I think they did it. Yeah, like he's not a psychologist. You can't just go say someone's associate. Yeah, or, yeah. based on what? Well, who's our famous FBI profiler? John Douglas. John Douglas. He didn't do shit like that, did he? Just be like, oh, by the way, this person's a sociopath. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, that's why I'm that's what I'm saying. Like, that's some of the most unprofessional shit I've ever read. Like I mean, I, it if, was fine until that last paragraph. <laughs> and he's just like, by the way, I'm gonna slide this in there. Did the did the police department release that report? Yeah. Or did some just flat out to the public released or did somebody leak it? I you know it's pretty actually, bold. Yeah, I'm not sure actually. So can you imagine yeah. then like if they the police did leak that? Or put it out. You it kind of you kind of understand now why the Ramses were protecting themselves. If something like that's being put out well, by the police, that's the point I was trying to make last week. Like, I, there just seemed to be something missing there regarding their cooperation. Yeah, I wouldn't cooperate with these fuckers if they put this out about <laughs> our family either. I mean, it's just wild. <laughs> it's just like it went from like zero to a hundred real yeah. quick. Right. Like when I th- was reading the notes, I was like, wait, did we start like a new like description of something? Like this, this can't be the report. Yeah. I, personally, I don't take. I, I find no. Uh, I, I don't hold any credit to that report at all. When when you say stuff like that, yeah. I don't no, know where. Regarding the ransom note, we've already discussed that uh, that Patsy's results were inconclusive, so investigators couldn't say she was the author. But they also couldn't say that she wasn't. According to Steve Thomas, Pampa, Patsy's sister. Took, I thought that was your grandpa. That's Pampa. the same thing I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, like you your grandpa's pa- in, in this story? Pampa. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a great name. <laughs> she should go by Pamela. It would help. I'd, I'd change my name, really. I'd go by my middle name. Um. <laughs> I'm sure my middle name was Pat. Pam Pat Paw. So, according to Steve Thomas, she took out more items from the house than she was supposed to for John Benet's funeral. Because if we remember, she went, according to Steve Thomas, she took, quote, stuffed animals, tiaras, three dresses for John Benet, pageant, photo portfolios, toys and clothes for Burke, John Ramsey's day timer, the desk Bible, and clothing. For Patsy, there were black pants, dress suits, boots, and the contents of a curio cabinet, bills, credit cards, a black cashmere trench coat, jewelry that included her grandmother's ring, and an emerald necklace, bathrobes, a cell phone, personal papers, bank records, Christmas stockings, her Nordstrom credit card, and even their passports. Hmm. What about a beaver coat? It's possible. Yeah. She's I trying mean, to hide the beaver. So are we suggesting <laughs> that the purpose of this is to hide evidence or fake a robbery scene and make it look like someone broke in? Well, I guess that would be based on what you believe the final, yeah. what your theory is. I, I think what he what he gets to is that it's to hide evidence. That's a lot um, of stuff to hide. Is it, though, if they're planning on not being there for a month? Because they were going back to Georgia. To hide evidence, though. Like, that's, to do all of those things contain know. evidence? 
Yeah, I mean, you could you could go that route, like you just said, that if they were going to go, since they were going to uh, to Atlanta, you could go, well, the bank records is a little strange. Uh, personal papers is odd. Yeah. Um, Unless they're just trying to protect stuff that they think could get. You know, I mean, maybe there's a Nordstrom or... in Atlanta, and she's like, you know, maybe I need to buy something there. I don't know. I don't find that list that crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, like a lot of the stuff stuffed animals tiaras okay maybe because she was buried in one of her pageant dresses in a tiara so maybe and probably with stuffed animals too yeah so she's maybe like well I'm, she might need more than one tiara mm. so patsy can pick one out I, you know i don't know i don't know it's a lot of piling on the family i, I think is maybe a little unwarranted steve thomas really does with this theory i yeah, yeah this specific theory i think for sure kind of does in our timeline last week, we laid out dates that the Ramses refused to take a lie detector test. And like with all lie detector tests, people only like them when they fit their narrative. John and Patsy both ended up taking them in 2000, and they both passed. People that think they're guilty question the validity of them passing, but people who support them would have questioned the validity if they failed. Yeah, so right it's, it, that goes both ways. But at the end of the day, they both passed. Like it's just not a lot of stock in that. Like that's I don't know. It's throwaway. Yeah. Information almost. Yep. Fibers matched to the red sweater Patsy was wearing that night were found in places key to the crime. The paintbrush caddy where she kept her art supplies, where the paintbrush came from to make the grot. The blanket used to wrap John Bonet's body, because we remember she was found with a blanket over her. Right. And on the sticky side of the duct tape placed over John Bonet's mouth, and tied to both knots of the ligature used to strangle John Bonet. Patsy denies that she ever went near any of those items wearing that sweater, but the fibers were found on all those items. I find that piece interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. Because she was, if I remember correctly, she was wearing that the night of the party, and then also put those clothes, same clothes back on the next morning when they woke up to get ready to, to fly to their vacation. Right. Oh, or she was up all night covering doing up. stuff and yeah. didn't change. Right. But from the original story, yeah. that's what they had said. Yeah, right. And then based on what you just said, Dave, the Denver Post reported that, quote, some investigators say that Patsy Ramsey was wearing the same clothes on the morning of the murder as she wore the previous night in that her side of the Ramsey's bed hadn't been slept in. So that led them to believe that she was up doing stuff all night. Yeah, that's that fits. Both Burke and John Bonet had bedwetting problems. And in general, experts say that 10% of six-year-olds wet the bed. So you can't just assume that there was abuse from, from no, the bedwetting. Not at all. And there's evidence to suggest that Patsy had gotten used to the problem with John Bonet and Burke, which further gets rid of that idea that, that she would have flown into this rage the day before they're supposed to go on a family vacation, all this stuff. Because they're... they're um, you're just accustomed to it by then. Yeah, and they're, they're, uh, Linda Hoffman Pugh, that we'll, we'll get into, was their, uh, their maid. She said that she would come over to the house and Patsy would have already cleaned that up, mm. the bedwetting stuff. She would have already, a lot of times she had already taken the sheets off and done all that right. herself. Um, so it, did, it seemed like something that she was used to, used to dealing with. I don't really put a lot of credence in this bedwetting aspect. There's just not a lot there. It's just assumptions almost. Yeah. What kind of person would fly into a, a rage and hit a six-year-old for wetting the bed? It just seems. I According mean, to the, um, when I was looking at that pedi pediatrics association, 
I mean, I can confidently say the three of us, none of us would ever do anything like that. But according to them, that's the highest. Uh, if kids are going to get, if a parent's going to hit a kid, that's the highest occurrence where it happens. I wonder, though, when there is no previous signs of abuse, like. That's what they're saying. That's what their statistic is, that there's no like abuse leading up to it. And, and then that causes it. parents to yeah. act a way that they wouldn't normally act. Crime scene photos taken the following morning don't indicate that JonBenet's bed was wet or suggest that the sheets to the bed had been changed. There was no evidence that JonBenet's bed was wet on the night of the murder. Urine stains were reported, we talked about before, to be found in her underwear and leggings that she was wearing when her body was discovered. But the evidence doesn't indicate whether this occurred in her bedroom, the basement, or in route between those two rooms. And it very, we already talked about it. it's graphic. It's not great, but when you're strangled to death, your body releases. So, of course, fibers from the cord used to tie the garrote were found in JonBenet's bed. And this would, in theory, debunk the claim that Patsy made the garrote in the wine cellar room to stage the crime scene. Hmm. Because the, there were cord fibers found in her bed. Yeah. It's just still so interesting that parts from her sweater, though, were found throughout mm-hmm. all of the different areas of the crime. It just, that mm. that detail puts a hole, or a, it, it, it throws off Steve Thomas's timeline that she made the garrote down in the basement and yeah. decided to finish her off down there. Yeah, it throws a wrench in his whole thing. Yeah. It's just still interesting, that note, though, about the you know from her sweater the fibers that's right. just that's really interesting yeah and it seems more like even you can't get there just from being you know in the same household and all those specific spots it's just not like that fit. not, not a like specific that. sweater on the back of tape and stuff like that yeah the back of tape's the big one and it tied in the garage because what was the other part in the blanket okay maybe you tucked her in right you know depending on where that blanket came from yeah because a suspect that we're going to get into shortly used this accidental theory in his 2003 defama- defamation case against the Ramses, Judge Julie Carnes has a quote that I think pretty much sums up the accidental cover-up theory perfectly, whether it's from bedwetting or any other type of uh, type of accident theory that people put out there. The court has reviewed the autopsy photographs of John Bonet, and they are gruesome. They reveal deep ligature marks around her neck as a result of being strangled by a garrot. As noted super at 1617, the evidence indicates that John Bonet was alive when strangled and may have tried to pull the garrot off her neck. Indeed, a neighbor heard the sounds of screams. Likewise, part of the wood from the paintbrush was found inside her vagina, and the evidence indicates that she was sexually assaulted at a time when she was still alive. Sadly, John Bonet's last moments were painful and terrifying. Admittedly, it is not unprecedented for parents to kill their children, sometimes even brutally. Yet plaintiff's theory of the motivation for the crime, that Mrs. Ramsey accidentally hit John Bonet's head on a hard object, thought she was dead, and then tried to stage a hoax kidnapping, seems at odd with his belief that although Mrs. Ramsey later became aware that John Bonet was alive, she nonetheless proceeded to garrot, torture, and sexually assault her child. If Mrs. Ramsey had accidentally hit her child's head, one would think that upon becoming aware that the child was still alive, the mother would have been just as likely to call an ambulance as to commit a depraved torture murder of the child. So she's kind of using like parental logic almost. It's not even parental logic. I feel like it's just basic common sense that 
I don't understand how you make the leap that she accidentally hit her in the head and then realizes she's alive. But instead of just calling 911 at that point, Mm -hmm. she goes and makes this, not even a garrote, this weird slipknot. With a paintbrush handle. Right. It rapes her with the paintbrush handle and then strangles that. But even if she was actually dead and this is what happened, is that how you would choose to stage the, the, you know, the hoax or, or to try to do your cover-up it's just weird you, uh, you why would you think of that yeah that, i don't buy that even if you know even if these you know you think burke did it and you're just trying to cover it up to save him is that what you're gonna do like a weird homemade garrote and sexually assault her it just doesn't fit yeah wouldn't the most logical thing that comes into my mind wouldn't it make sense just to write the ransom note and then take her body and go dump it somewhere i yeah probably why would you take the leap to Make this garrot sexually assault her. I mean, that's the biggest one that stands out to me. It's like, what, where, where does that fit in to anybody's logic? Yeah, I don't get that. That Patsy would do. I, mean, that. I don't know if you would be up for dumping your kid somewhere. That's tough. But as as opposed to what garrot sexually assault? But, yeah, torture, just, like <laughs> it, that seems way easier than yeah, yeah. Even just dumping the body, but hiding it in a place where you can later go get it and do something with it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the fact that they didn't do all that speaks to the, the, this theory of them killing her not holding any weight because they didn't do what we think we might do in that situation. Mm-hmm. So another theory that's put forth is that Patsy caught John in the act of molesting John Bonet. There is 100% no evidence of this, but this is what the Globe reported. This is a tough one to read. I had to read this note or you know, just preparing for this. I was like, this is... Uncomfortable. This is uh, a quote from the Globe. Police believe she died in fight after mom walked into dad's sick sex games. John Bonet's mom was awakened from a sound sleep by eerie, terrifying noises that echoed through the darkened three-story mansion. Patsy was alarmed. For months, she'd suspected her daughter was being molested, and now in the early morning hours of December 26th, she saw that her husband was missing from the king-size bed they share. Grabbing a heavy maglite flashlight, the mother crept down the stairs to her daughter's bedroom, her heart sick with dread over what she expected to find. This chilling scenario is part of a shocking new theory Colorado investigators have pieced together for the final hours of the slain beauty queen. Police now believe that Patsy caught her husband strangling John Bonet during a sick, sick sex game, and the innocent child was killed during a ferocious fight between her enraged mom and her father, say sources. I'm not sure that if if that was me, I wouldn't have murdered the editors of the Globe. Yeah, that's yeah. I like, agree. No joke. Yeah, it, it, that is awful to post. And it was all day, every day for mm-hmm. years with this. I mean, you can pick it apart. I mean, specifically, there was no evidence that she was molested for months or anything going on. It would have been on the 23rd or between the 23rd and 25th. So. Well, they just made up the story. Yeah, right, I mean, well, right, you know. yeah. Yeah, well, 100%. And um, the way they dramatize it, the eerie echoing sounds of the mansion. Yeah, like, talking about the murder of a six-year-old girl. That's evil, And man. you're going to fucking glorify it like this and try to make it sound like it's just, just this creepy story and, you know, make money off of it. Mm. You can question the Ramses and stuff, but, man, I don't know. That's just a whole different level of... Well, it, it starts to make sense when you see how much they pulled away and and didn't want to cooperate with things. It makes a lot more sense when you read stuff like this being posted and published. 
some people give Patsy shit about how she called in to uh, to Larry King Live the one time and was, you know, talking about she was com- complaining about the tabloids and stuff. But I, I don't know. You said murder. So I would fucking be ready to knock somebody out, you mm-hmm. know, and. Well, and what else the, are you gonna do? You have you're gonna defend that, or you're gonna yeah, want to defend yeah. yourself in that. I mean, and the the police were leaking at this time too, so it's not a stretch to tie that together and and you know think maybe it's someone in the police department providing this this story to the Globe. Right, it makes you even want to talk to the police even less. And then Flea White, he claims that the DA was also leaking stuff too. So everybody's just yeah, they probably know. didn't trust anyone. Yeah. Understandably. I wanted to throw this this bit in here because there's so much tabloid stuff with this. This guy named Jeffrey Shapiro investigated the JonBenet Ramsey case for the Globe from 1997 until 1999 when he had had enough and reported the Globe to the FBI for their tactics when reporting on this case. So these are some of the quotes then from Jeff Shapiro. At 23 years of age, I was recruited as the lead investigator on the JonBenet Ramsey case for the Globe tabloid. Investigator. <laughs> okay. I thought, I thought you were mocking a word I said. No. I was like, wait, no. Inve- yeah, quote, investigator. My job was to find information that would support my editor's claims that John Ramsey was a pedophile who murdered his daughter after sexually molesting her. So he's being told, here's what we're going to push. Go make this make sense for us. Working backwards again. Exactly. Yeah. And then this is just to make money, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> a little, you could expect that a little more from a tabloid, I guess, not from, you know, Steve Thomas. Yeah. Back to the quote. One year later, the newspaper's editors reversed their claim and accused his wife, Patsy, instead. A year after that, they changed their story once more and falsely accused the couple's nine-year-old son, Burke, who had already been publicly cleared by the police. It became clear to me that it was in the Globe's interest to see the Ramseys prosecuted. I first realized this when my editor, Tony Frost, confided to me that if the families that if the family were exonerated, the Globe could be found liable for millions of dollars from defamation suits. There must be an indictment, Frost said of the Ramses. Otherwise, we're all finished, all of us, every single last one of us. In a later conversation, Frost admitted, quote, the Globe and Tony Frost in particular have more reason to go for the Ramses than the police have. I knew that the tabloids sometimes reported false information to the authorities. This was their way of maintaining some control over the investigation so that the police would focus more on the Ramses rather than an intruder. I also found that many payments to, quote, sources were not for authentic information, but rather financial rewards to people who agreed to accept uh, attribution for, quote, quotes that tabloid reporters had already written. Sometimes when the tabloids couldn't find a new witness to interview, they often paid a, quote, source to report their anti-Ramsey claims to the police or FBI, giving the story more credibility. My editors did virtually anything they could to say the authorities were investigating their, quote, shocking new scenario. When those claims were often baseless and false, wasting investigators' precious time. So I just unbelievably evil. Yeah, I just wanted to point that 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 stuff out because a lot of what goes on with this case and a lot of the theories are based off of some of this stuff, and it's just not true. And it was all just to make money. Yep. And then it gets to a point where. They're worried about getting their asses sued, so they're like, "Well, we need to get them indicted, so uh, or you know, charged with something, so we can't get sued." Isn't that scary too? Then just having like a tabloid think it's their job to yes. get someone indicted. Yes, that's just terrifying. It's horrific. Those are the people that should be in jail right now. 
And there was stuff about the National Enquirer too. Mm. There were some some examples of things that they purposely reported that were false. But I wanted to include that because uh, Jeffrey Shapiro actually, you know, yeah. reported it to the FBI and wrote this whole thing about it. Mm. Before we get into the theory that Burke did it, I thought it was worth noting that Dr. Werner Spitz, who I like a lot and we we've referenced in a, in a couple of these episodes about John Bonet, he fully thinks that Burke did it. He said, quote, it's the boy who did it, whether he was jealous or mentally unfit or something. I don't know of the why. I'm not a psychiatrist. But what I am sure about is what I know about him. That is what happened here. That's a bold statement. Yeah, Burke sued him for $150 million for that <laughs> statement. Damn. Yeah. And he came back and claimed that Burke, you know, he said Burke just tries to sue everybody that says, that gives their opinion that he did it. But that doesn't sound like an opinion to me, you know. And if I was Burke and I didn't do it and everything's, people are pointing fingers at me all the time in the public like that, I'd be suing people Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's more than an opinion. I mean, you just said it's the boy who did it. So all the Burke theories revolve around the idea that John and Patsy Ramsey covered up what he did, whether it be that he just hit her on the head or if he was responsible for all of her injuries, including the strangulation. So the motives that people lay out that Burke, for Burke to do it, the 2016 CBS documentary and James Kohler's book, A Foreign Faction, advance the theory that Burke may have accidentally hit her in the hit John Bonet in the head in a temporary burst of anger in response to John Bonet have having taken some of his pineapple. This theory would explain why the bowl had Burke's fingerprints on it and not John Bonet's, as well as that why that bowl was left out with so much of uh, uneaten pineapple and milk left in it because it looks like a pretty much full full bowl. Others speculate that Burke may have been jealous over the because due to her beauty pageants. In this view, Burke's hitting John Bonet in the face with the golf club two years earlier may not have been accidental as the parents betrayed it. Others believe that it was a game of playing doctor that went wrong, again with John and Patsy covering it up. Playing doctor. In the middle of the night. They referenced that as to how the paintbrush was you know, inserted into her. Okay. Let's Hey, let's wake up and go in the wine center cellar and play doctor at midnight. With a broken paintbrush. Yeah. When we have to, we're getting up for vacation. Yeah. One theory implies that Burke sexually abused his sister and that the Boulder Police Department facilitated the cover-up by letting Pam Paw remove incriminating evidence from the crime scene. What motivation did the Boulder PD have to to allow that? Uh, 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 Oh, okay. (laughs) And and what evidence is there of sexual abuse for like that Burke would be sexual abusing his sister? None. It's yeah. People who believe it was Burke claim that Burke had not been cleared by law enforcement since the term was never used by DA Alex Hunter in an affidavit. The Ramsey's lawyer Lynn Wood drafted an affidavit affidavit signed by Hunter, and people believe it's significant that it slightly amended the wording before signing it. In two thousand, when this was when this affidavit was signed, Alex Hunter refused a request from Lynn Wood to sign a statement declaring under oath that, quote, all questions related to Burke's possible involvement in the death of his sister were resolved due to the satisfaction of investigators. He also refused to declare that Burke was, quote, has never been viewed by investigators as a suspect, nor would he say that Burke, quote, 
has not been and is not a suspect. Well, but I mean, DAs don't aren't generally in the habit of accepting defense attorneys' statements and signing off on them. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. People also point to the nine one one call and say that you can clearly clearly hear Burke's voice on the call. I don't know how anyone could say that. I don't clearly hear anything unless there's a version out there that we haven't heard. No, we played the one that everybody re- references to. You cannot clearly hear jack shit in the background. I'm not sure I hear anything at all to begin with. Well, I agree. Clearly. You, I, you can't be sure of it. And like I said, when I listen to it, I don't know if I'm looking for something and I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing what I want to hear or yeah, I think it's very plausible. Yeah. I thought the same thing. First time I heard it, I heard nothing in the background. Then once you told me what to listen for, then I was like, oh, now I hear this. Yeah. Oh, I still didn't hear it. Like we talked about on the last episode, we talked about January 8th, 1997, Burke was interviewed with his parents' consent outside of their presence by a psychologist, Dr. Suzanne Bernard. Based on excerpts of that interview that were aired on the Dr. Phil show and in the 2016 CBS news documentary, both CBS investigators and some people have argued that Burke's demeanor and answers were very suspicious and incriminating. I don't know how anything he said was incriminating. Suspicious, maybe. Odd, maybe. But I don't know what it's like to be nine years old and have a sibling brutally murdered. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing. If I facilitated, you know, this whole cover up because he because he actually did it, there's zero chance he would ever be talking to anyone. Would you let him talk to psychiatrists outside or anyone else? Yeah. If that's why you were doing all this? I think that's a fair point. Of course they wouldn't. They wouldn't let him he would never see anyone again. Would you, would and, you kill him? I'm just saying you would never <laughs> expose him to <laughs> interviews with a psychiatrist <laughs> to make them public. That just wouldn't happen. Yeah. That could def- you know, derail the whole thing. Right. He, he says one wrong thing and that's with. it. Yeah. It and he's nine years sense. old. He doesn't know. And in his defense on the Dr. Phil thing, it's the first time he's ever publicly spoke about it. And he comes out, you know, because it's the 20th anniversary and it's getting close to there or whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, he looks nervous. Yeah, I would be too. Well, he's got that off putting smile that people but it could just be nerves. Yeah. Like, well, you've been accused of killing your sister for over half your life. Like, How else are you going to like, I'd be terrified too. the way I view Burke is that in some way his life completely stopped on that day and he was known nothing as he possibly killed his sister and always would be. I think you can argue that for all the Ramses. Yeah. Guilty or not. And that's not me saying they are or not. Mm -hmm. They they're all their lives stopped because they will forever be known as that's the family who murdered their daughter. Of course. But I specifically feel bad for him because he's nine years old and that's all he's I mean, you go online and read stuff. People get so angry and argue and swear to God it was it was him that did it, you know. And so the only actual thing regarding Burke's behavior that wasn't speculation from some random person posting online or, or something like that was from the Ramsey's gardener, Brian Scott, recalled, quote, the neighborhood kids would come by from time to time. John Bonet seemed to socialize with them just fine. Her brother Burke was three years older. He almost never said a word to me, just played by himself in the backyard, completely occupied in his own projects. He always seemed to play alone. Maybe I don't give a fuck about talking to my parents' gardener. Get the fuck out of here with that. Well, I think in all fairness, he was talking about the neighborhood kids. He would never play with them. He would be by himself. He almost never said a word to me. Uh, Okay, you're the gardener, pal. 
Yeah, fuck off, man. Fuck off, exactly. <laughs> Fucking trim those roses and get out of here, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we talking to the gardener? But he's also making a point about how he didn't socialize with the other kids. I, I know. There's no need to beat up on poor Brian Scott over here. <laughs> but, I mean, in all fairness, too, I didn't have any real friends until probably sixth, seventh grade. I didn't hang out with it. I didn't. Yeah. I would have been described just like this up until... Yeah, sixth, seventh yeah, grade. It's not unusual. When you inevitably kill someone, who do you think they're <laughs> going to talk to? Me and Dave, because we're the only people you fucking socialize with. <laughs> and we know Dave doesn't exactly want to speak with police, so he's going to be all upset about that. He's going to go all John Ramsey and just go I you know, talk to the police, protect himself, and it's going to be me. And then I'm the fucking Burke. I'm the Burke of this situation. <laughs> I'm no rat. <laughs> It's just a silly thing to even... Well, we would always just say, Ian never did. He doesn't leave his house. Of course he didn't kill that person. (laughs) That's very true. The person you found dead in the Walmart parking lot wasn't Ian. His alibi. His alibi is in his fucking basement. (laughs) Doing fucking research on 14-page John A. Ramsey notes. I got a taste of the real world the other day. You did? You had a good time on Saturday. (laughs) We can take a quick little sidebar, break this up a minute. We went to go see... uh, a parody of uh, the Office musical downtown Cleveland on Saturday. It's a good time. Great time. We bar hopped all night. Thirteen hours of drinking. God damn. And well, we should give credit to Ian. He was the generous DD of the night. So, what did you say was the most hydrated you've ever been? Yeah, I drank a lot of club sodas. <laughs> <and lime. laughs> His piss was crystal clear that night. Yes, it was. <laughs> but that oh, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Okay, end of sidebar. <laughs> On several occasions, Boulder law enforcement officials have indicated that Burke was not a suspect or had been cleared in the case. This is the strongest evidence that Burke is not a plausible suspect in the case. A lot of stuff comes out of uh, the lawsuit that we had talked. I think we talked about it last week where Burke sued CBS for $675 million over their their documentary they made about him. Because they made stuff up and said he did it? Yeah, they put four theories that are just like, they basically went online and read internet people's theories. They're like, yeah, we're going to throw that in. Hosted by internet user 024336. Oh, that sounds plausible. Yeah, And then we're going to throw that on national TV to the whole world. 1996 Patterson conclusion. Detective Fred Patterson, after interviewing Burke one-on-one on December 26, 1996, quote, concluded that Burke had no knowledge of what happened to John Bonet. 1998, Beckner statement. In early 1998, former Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner stated during a news conference that Burke was not involved in the killing of John Bonet, was not a suspect in John Bonet's murder, and was not being looked at as a suspect. 1999 and 2000, Alex Hunter statements. Quote, Almost a year ago, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner stated during a news conference that Burke was not a suspect, that we are not looking at him as a possible suspect. To this day, Burke Ramsey is not a suspect. The other one, quote, From December 26, 1996 to the date of this affidavit, no evidence has ever been developed in the investigation to justify elevating Burke Ramsey's status from that of witness to suspect. This one's also from 1999. Michael Kane, who is a special prosecutor who oversaw the grand jury investigation, quote, one of the more horrendous mistakes by the media, Kane said, was the story by a supermarket tabloid, The Star, that branded Burke as the killer. Earlier this month, the Ramseys filed a $25 million libel lawsuit against the paper. Kane recalled that when the story first came out last May, 
It troubled the prosecution. And when the story began getting picked up by other newspapers, they knew they had to do something. Quote, Alex Hunter, this is a direct quote from, from Michael Caine. Alex Hunter and I decided that there was no basis for that speculation and no evidence to support it, and we issued a press conference to put it to rest. I think it's horrible that, that a 12-year-old kid would have a finger pointed at him with no evidence to support it and have to see his picture on the cover of tabloids every time he's in a supermarket saying that he killed his sister. And this went on through 2008. Yeah, more. there's more examples, yeah. But people say that he hasn't been cleared because the DA refused to sign Linwood's what Linwood had brought to him. But I just I don't think they do that. I, I don't think they do either. And I could see the DA being like, "Hey, man, you know, I can't just yeah. agree to whatever a defense attorney yeah, says." Yeah, that would exactly. almost be irresponsible of the DA. Just because you don't bring charges doesn't mean you're officially clearing them now because a defender comes up to you and says, "Here, sign this paper now." <laughs> like I'm not going to sign that either. Yeah. So getting into the grand jury stuff regarding Burke, because that's even something that we brought up last week when we discussed the grand jury. We said, who does that thing? Who does that point to? Based on what they said with the cover up potentially and the parents putting John Bonet in a dangerous situation. Right. That would almost lead you to believe the most likely suspect would have been Burke. That's where your mind immediately goes. Right. The jury foreman signed the following true bill for both John and Patsy Ramsey. On or about December 25th and December 26, 1996, in Boulder County, Colorado, Patricia Paul Ramsey did unlawfully, knowingly, and feloniously render assistance to a person with the intent to hinder, delay, and prevent the discovery, detention, apprehension, prosecution, conviction, and punishment of such person for the commission of a crime, knowing the person being assisted has committed a crime and was suspected of the crime of first-degree murder and child abuse resulting in death. So some people have argued that because the grand jury said that the Ramseys assisted in aiding someone who committed first-degree murder, that means that it can't be Burke because a nine-year-old couldn't be charged with first-degree murder under Colorado law. It's 10 years old. Okay. With, and it's, it's 10 years old with limitations. So I'm assuming that it would have to be something really fucking bad that a 10-year-old did, and it would have to be carefully looked at. It doesn't say that, though. It just said committed and was suspected of the crime of murder in the first degree. But I don't know. You get into semantics yeah. here with language. That, that, that's just something people point yeah. out, that he couldn't have been charged with first-degree murder. But that's, and that's not technically what they're saying. Right. But to what you're saying is, yeah, tech, that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything about Burke because he couldn't be charged with it. I mean, if that's what the grand jury's saying in that, I guess, if if they're saying that it was would have been a first-degree murder charge, mm. it couldn't have been Burke. Yeah, I get that. Like you said earlier, Dave, it doesn't make any sense that a nine-year-old would be able to successfully have multiple interviews with the police, especially ones where he's alone, and not slip up and say something. Zero chance. Yeah. If Burke would have done it accidentally, it doesn't make sense for the parents to go with this whole uh, this cover-up that would put themselves at risk of being accused of John Bonet's murder, especially if there's evidence that she's still alive. When if you called nine one one, it could have saved her life. Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's not even realistic to think that child services would just come in and take Burke over an accident if he accidentally hit her. Yeah, because they're rich, and that stuff doesn't happen to rich people. Absolutely not. That's a good point. I mean, I just figured with average people, if you'd be like. 
they would probably look at it, but they're not going to take the kid away. Yeah. You think John Ramsey's attorneys are going to let that happen? Yeah. No. Then that same logic applies even if Burke hit John Bonet being in like a temporary fit of anger over the pineapple. Uh, Lynn Wood's motion in Burke Ramsey's 2016 defamation case against CBS goes back against what he called a quote preposterous theory that Burke killed John Bonet for taking his pineapple. Even if Burke struck John Bonet due to jealousy, worst case, Child Protective Services might have ordered some type of counseling as it would have been unlikely to, that they would view Burke as a danger to other children. They would have just said, okay, we need a little anger management yeah, maybe so. here. Regarding the session with the child psychologist, Dr. Bernard, on January 8th, 1997, according to Linwood's motion in that defamation case, Dr. Bernard herself, quote, concluded in writing on her report to the Boulder Police Department that it was clear to her that Burke did not witness the murder of his sister. So was that part of the paperwork that was stolen by that lady? Well, that paperwork that was stolen by that lady and that the tabloid report on didn't include like any um official result to what yeah. that doctor thought. Okay. Or also that wouldn't have fit their narrative, Dave, so of course not. Yeah, right. They might have received that paperwork and they just, you know, fell in the trash by accident. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's telling. I want to be really clear on this. There are no records of any therapy or any child service records that Burke was ever treated for any psychological issues in the past before John Bonet's murder. The kid was never in any type of system where you can find records on him. He's not been diagnosed with any disorders, including autism, which gets thrown around a lot. And there that's is, a big one. I see that all the time. There is nothing wrong with him. He is a normal guy that has just had his whole life thrown under the bus yeah. by the tabloid media. I agree with that. Damn. So kind of getting away from the Ramsey family and, you know, they kind of dominated the investigation, getting into these other people now um, who we haven't spoken about as much in the first three parts. Right. Um, it's pretty interesting. So another popular one that gets thrown around is the maid, Linda Hoffman Pugh and her husband, Mervyn. The theory goes that they staged a kidnapping to get money out of the Ramseys, but it went wrong. It's possible that she would have seen John Ramsey's pay stub for the bonus of $118,000. There were reports that she was strapped for cash and asked the Ramseys for a loan and they declined. This is not true. She asked the Ramseys for an advance of $2,000, which they agreed, and $200 would be taken out of her checks going forward until it was paid back. That's nice of them. Linda and her husband had no alibi for the night of the murder. They were at home. Linda slept in bed and Mervyn slept on the couch. They were. Ooh, I wonder what he did to piss her off. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Pally. Can't even get some Christmas sex. <laughs> they were investigated by the police, but they were not considered suspects. It seems like the rift between them came when the Ramses said that, remember, the Ramses gave that list of 160 suspects, and Linda. And her husband, Mervyn, were on that list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, possibly, huh? So. I'd be a little peeved off at that. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see that list. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah, man. it is. Is that out there, though? Have, is that? I, not that I know of. No. Doesn't seem to be. So Linda ended up testifying in front of the grand jury for a total of eight hours and then gave the following statement. Then this is speaking of Patsy. Quote, I think she had multiple personalities. She'd be in a good mood, and then she'd be cranky. She got into arguments with John Bonet about wearing a dress or about a friend coming over. 
I had never seen Patsy so upset. Mm. She also wrote a book based around the um, the bedwetting theory. Take that for what you will. I don't know. It seemed like in her book, though, what did she that Patsy killed that her? Patsy did it. So she she supported Thomas's theory, right? Like everything was fine until the Ramseys put them on the suspect list. Which you know, logically, you have to put them on the list. Yeah, someone that's in your house all the time. I, do, I would, of do course, that. I would do that. Of course. Well, and the police wanted um, anyone who comes in contact with her regularly. Yeah. Of course, they're a suspect. And they wanted uh, people who had keys to the house. They had keys to the house. Yeah, and there's course. tons of different numbers out there, like how many keys that other people that other people had to that house. I think the number that gets reported the most is twenty. Hmm. Everyone except John. He never had his keys. He's he had to break in, right? That, yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that one again. I forget where someone brought it up this week. Why, if he didn't fix the places he had to break into the house, why wouldn't he just keep going back in the same? place why would he have to keep breaking in additional right. ways that doesn't make sense I'm like, yeah <laughs> that, that's a good question that whole theory <laughs> about him breaking multiple windows and doors to get in does not right. make any sense to me right if, For, if um, you never fixed it just go back in where you reasons. broke it last time right why do you keep breaking the hole's new still there um also just her quote though the the um linda pew the maid's quote i think she had multiple multiple personalities she'd be in a good mood and then she'd be cranky who the fuck isn't in a good mood and then cranky sometimes? She'd get into arguments with Jean Benet about wearing a dress or about a friend coming over. I've never okay. seen her so angry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen Patsy so upset. What does that mean? Well, yeah. It sounds like she's a mother. <laughs> like that or, or or a parent. Not just to put that on mom. A parent. That mm-hmm. happens. There that that literally that statement says nothing. And I mean, spoiler alert. Maybe the six-year-old got sick of wearing all those fucking pageant dresses yeah. all the time. And yeah. those fucking yeah. teeth. What did we call What did we find out there? Flappers. She, did, she didn't wear teeth in all fairness. She didn't? No. Okay. Oh. She was one of the good ones then. She had just a good set and yeah, didn't need to wear those big ass. Yeah, and there's videos of her out there doing the, mm. doing the pageant stuff. Well, I guess because we've seen photos of her pageant stuff. She didn't have those teeth then, yeah. so that's good. Maybe they didn't do the teeth all the way back then. Maybe that's a new thing. <laughs> I don't know. That It could be. So that's kind of... And then his bitch wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. Damn. Like, if, if you're going out to uh, buy a book about this case, are you looking for the book that the maid wrote? <laughs> Probably back then. Well, I don't know, though. I mean, that's... that's you're like, this is an eyewitness account. You're seeing the one that's inside the house. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to do a dive into it... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's... I, I, I mean, when you read stuff like that, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> she would be happy and then cranky. Okay. <laughs> Grab a Snickers. Like, she's hungry. That happens to all of us. The tabloid stuff, and then the fact that a bunch of books came out before the autopsy report was even released to the public. Mm-hmm. People only have so long. Of, like, the average person only has so long of an attention span. The average person isn't going to sit here and do what I did and write 61 fucking pages on John Benet Ramsey. <laughs> They're going to read what they yeah. see on a headline and be like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, the mother did it, or yeah, Burke did it. Well, that's why all those people, after all these years, that's what they heard back then. So yeah. they just took it for truth, and yeah, that's what they think. Yeah. We'll be right back. Today's episode of Necronomapod is brought to you by Beardology. There are a lot of imitators out there, but there's only one place I buy my beard oil. Beardology Beard Oil nourishes your skin and won't leave you with that greasy feel. With over 17 cents available in their extensive product line, I trust my beard to Beardology. 
You can find Beardology at beardology.co. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your purchase. Beardology, discover the best way to avoid the shave. Let's get into some suspects that would be outside intruders that are not part of the Ramsey family. So the main one we've referenced since part one was the Santa Claus theory. And this would be going back to Bill McReynolds. He was a family friend of the Ramseys who dressed up like Santa Claus to entertain the neighborhood children. And he would introduce himself as Santa Bill and liked when people called him Santa Bill. Where was he a friend from? Do, do we know how they met him, how they were acquainted? He's, I, I don't know. We may not. That might not be public knowledge. Mick Reynolds was rumored to be a little too close to John Bonet and going so far as to arrange a secret visit from Santa Claus. This would be the day after Christmas. Which she alluded to. Right. What, Christmas Eve or the 23rd of 96? She was over at her friend's house playing. She was at her friend's house and told her friend's mom, mm-hmm. allegedly, Santa's going to make me a special visit after Christmas. Right. And then the mom was like, oh, yeah, Santa's coming. She's like, no. It's a special visit. Like logistically, what is that? When was this supposed to take place? What do you mean? The special visit, or did it take place on the twenty sixth earlier in the day? Or, like, or was this the special that's what I, visit? Yeah. I mean, like that's yeah. I think that's. But that's, like, so is this just something we know because of that only because she told that family friend? Like the parents didn't know this, right? No. Okay. Yeah. That's I, what I, I couldn't remember. That's how yeah. I took that. Is, right. If you believe that theory that maybe he was trying to set something up for like a one-on-one kind of special visit. Yeah. But it's solely based on the word of that other parent. Right. Yeah. Just right. a special visit. Yes. Yeah. Supposedly, he wanted John Bonet to be his, quote, special friend, going so far as bringing a vial of glitter that she had given him as a gift with him to his heart surgery. Now, remember we said that he gave or she gave him a gift on Christmas and that she it, according to him she was the only kid that ever gave him that was a at gift. her hit their family's Christmas party right because he had well and we'll touch on that he was Santa there right and she gave him a gift and he really appreciated that yeah pretty odd he asked his wife to mix the gold glitter and with his ashes if he were to die in this heart surgery pretty odd it's fucking weirdo <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> very strange so this story generated buzz with the uh the denver post but it didn't amount to anything more than what a lot of people you know especially people in his family said it was just like a character assassination of a friendly guy yeah because it's all that's what happens and it's all speculation i mean nothing nothing that i just said is is like verifiable by fact Bill McReynolds was a retired Colorado University journalism professor. He retired in 1992, and he was about 66 years old when John Bonet was killed. He had a natural beard, so he, he really did look like Santa Claus. And so he, he went ahead and did this whole Santa thing when he was signed up to play a role in a local play. And then later on, he was hired by the Maryland House to play Santa Claus at malls. And then he just embraced the Santa thing. If you're Santa, you're Santa. What are you going to do? If you've seen a picture, he's Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he played Santa. We'll post his picture this week. I'll, we'll mm-hmm. probably post a bunch of the suspects this yeah. week. I mean, that that guy has nothing else to do in life other than be Santa Claus well, during Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. He played Santa for the Ramses in 1994, 1995, and 1996 at their parties. 
He had uh, bypass surgery on August 23rd, 1996, and his wife, Janet, were invited by the Ramseys to attend John Bonet's memorial service. Some reports state that John Bonet gave Bill McReynolds a tour of the Ramsey home in 1995. Some say 1996. Either way, it apparently happened. We talked about that, I think, on episode one. Right. Either 95 or 96, he had a private tour of the home mm-hmm. from John Bonet. Right. Which I guess would make you think that he saw the home, he saw the layout, he knew the access points. and Saw John's broken windows everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I can get in here, 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 here. <laughs> Who knows, you know, a year from now, this guy might have fucking every window broken out. <laughs> His alibi for the night in question was that he was sleeping. He went to bed at 10 p.m. at his vacation home that was about 30 miles away. The alibi includes more than just his wife. At least five other people were present at this vacation home that night. That's a solid alibi, then. Five people. 30 miles away is not too far. That's not. People have speculated that, you know, if he wanted to do something, he could have slipped out in the middle of the night and been able to be you back. You can go to bed at 10 o'clock and be there and it's do everything point. by midnight. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So this is this is where stuff gets really uh really weird. Mm-hmm. And I, you don't believe in coincidences, Dave, so this yeah, is very strange. I know. Exactly. <laughs> so Bill McReynolds' nine-year-old daughter and her friend were kidnapped on the day after Christmas, December 26, 1974, exactly 22 years apart from John Bonet's murder. During this kidnapping, his daughter's friend was molested, but his daughter was not. They were later found un- relatively unharmed, you know, besides the uh, the molestation. And the kidnapping has never been solved. Break that down for a second. Yeah. Exactly 22 years apart. To the day. To the day. Mm-hmm. And his daughter was not molested, but the other girl was. <laughs> That's... And all of these outside potential suspects, they all have, like you said, I hate to use the word coincidences, but just strange ancillary facts associated with all this. All of them, though. Mm-hmm. And everyone we're going we're to get into. Every single person. Yeah. Other than maybe, and you said outside people. Yeah. But like the maid, I don't think does. No, nah, not the maid. But, but all these other guys we're going to talk about. Yeah, I agree. It's really strange. I feel statistically... What are the fucking chances that your daughter and her friend were kidnapped and then exactly 22 late 22 years later a little girl that you're very close with is kidnapped and murdered? I feel like you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than that happening. Oh, for sure. So what's the implication though? Well, the implication that people make is that he kidnapped his daughter and her friend, molested the friend and didn't yeah. well, didn't do it to his own daughter for, you know, cuz he's not jumping into incest and then just drop them off where they would be found. And then it's been unsolved. It is strange. It's very strange. I think at this point I put two pieces of evidence at the very extreme top of my list here of everything. One being Patsy sweater and this information being the other one. I hold more stock in those two pieces of information than I do anything else we've talked about in four weeks of doing this. This is very, very, very strange. And I'm not sure we're going to talk about anything else that I put higher than those two. We'll have to see. Something else people point to is that Bill's wife, Janet, wrote a 
fictional play based around the basement murder of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, but this is a pretty famous case, and other than the fact that Sylvia was killed in a basement, there aren't any other connections to John Bonet. There's no other similarities other than the fact she was killed in a basement. Mm-hmm. So, that part that is, seems loose. Yeah, that's pretty irrelevant. But that's something that people point to a lot. Unless you're trying to say that you know his wife was attached and knew about it, and was right? Kind of in on it. But like I said, that's a really uh, that's a really famous case. That's pretty. That's a really well known. Is the Sylvia Lichens one the 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 foster mom or whatever in the in the basement stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like letting all the neighborhood kids yeah be tortured her and stuff. It's a really fucked up yeah, uh, it's fucked awful. up story. Awful. Yeah, she wrote a goddamn play about that. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, that's dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. That story. Bill and Janet went to Spain, um, so this made them very difficult to be interviewed by the police. The McReynolds say they weren't hiding from anyone. The, this trip was just a coincidence. And they did provide police with documentation that this trip had been planned and booked well in advance. So they weren't like taking off to Spain or anything. Yeah, I think things like this get magnified in this scenario. I don't, I, I don't know. You're I, not, not going to cancel your vacation, right? Right. Well, I, but also if you were, you'd been Santa at this house for three years, if you were planning to molest rape or kill someone you could easily book a vacation well ahead of time knowing you're gonna, you're gonna do, do it on that day yeah i mean clearly that day is significant if you think it's him it's because there's that ca- past connection you could easily book a year out knowing sure. that you're gonna be invited back you're close with the family and maybe if he had that tour in 95 he already knows the, the layout a year ahead of time yeah i didn't even think of that it's a good point I really didn't put much stock in, in this guy, but now that we're sitting here talking through it, I don't know. It's a weird... I mean... It really is. I feel like you have more chance of getting struck by lightning, and then as you're dying from getting struck by lightning, getting struck by lightning for a second <laughs> time, than having that crime be committed like that. In June of 1998, John Ramsey suggested that Bill McReynolds possibly dressed like Santa fed John Bonet the pineapple that night that she was killed and sat next to her while she ate the pineapple and drank a cup of tea. In the crime scene photo near the bowl of pineapple, there's what looks like a cup of tea, an empty cup with a tea bag in it. And we've posted that. That's on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to check that out, we posted that last week. And but why did he suggest that, though? According to a bunch of accounts, Bill McReynolds pretty much he drank tons and tons of mm. tea. That was like his go-to drink. And then just the fed her pineapple and milk was speculation. It, it's just a reason of how she ate that, where that pineapple came from. and oh, so, But there was how, no past knowledge of my daughter loved pineapple, and if you told her she would get some pineapple, she'd follow you anywhere. There was right. nothing none of that. It was just more speculation because the bull was there. Right, and how and it got there, how it got in Santa, her stomach. Santa Bill loved tea. Because the tea is, you know, according to... The Ramses and stuff that the tea doesn't make any sense that then none of them drank that tea so where the fuck did that tea come from and we've talked about it you've brought it up a bunch of times Mike that that house was chaos so anybody could have made that tea I don't yeah I don't think you there. can put stock yeah. in any piece of evidence that was on that at least that first floor with as many people that was there and they were wiping things down and um, I think we mentioned this we might have touched on this on the bonus show this past week on Patreon with a, a caller we had uh that whole victim's advocate group coming over is extremely strange. And just the way that they allegedly cleaned up everything is very odd. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think you can put a lot of stock 
in my opinion, in, in the pineapple and the tea, because who, who knows how many people were in and out of that house. A neighbor could have walked over while eating it and then set it down. And, and no one would have even out, noticed. And no one would have yeah. known. Yeah. And then if I was that neighbor, I'd probably be afraid to admit like, oh, yeah, I was in the house and I left my stuff there just because you're afraid you might get wrapped up in something. So I don't know. John Ramsey also suggested that the SBTC at the bottom of the ransom note could actually be SBJC because it's written. The handwriting's all shitty. Mm. I mean, and you can you can make an argument for it, which he said could stand for Santa Bill Janet Claus. How about Santa Bill touches children? Mm. How about that one? Oh, wow, that could be. That's a, it's a stretch though that. <laughs> Santa would like, like mm. that McReynolds would leave even a note though. It's a stretch that anyone right. would leave that fucking weird ass note. Yeah, like what would be the is... point of him leaving a note? Well, because if you're going to go the route of it being Santa Bill, what's where did that note come from? Was that the parents covering for Santa Bill? And if so, what the hell was going on that they were covering for? Right. Or if it was Santa Bill, like why that? Why not just take the body with you? Why wouldn't you just take it and dump it somewhere? You know, you could go down the route of that. It was actually I've heard or read about that theories that it it was actually supposed to be a real kidnapping in that the window downstairs, the broken window was the exit exit route. And this person decided that they were going to molest her before leaving. Mm. And then it went too far. And then she was hit on the head and. And all that. Mm. Bill's wife, Janet, also worked as a movie critic, and Bill would watch these movies with her all the time, and that's something else that's pointed out, too, with all the movie references in the in the Ransom Note, because that thing is just filled with shit from yeah. movies. Like we said before, it's someone's you know idea of what a Ransom Note would sound like. Right. It's just interesting, then, that the wife would be in on it, too. It, well, that's like not necessarily could, saying could... she's in on it. It's just saying like he watches movies with her all the okay, time. Okay, that's true. I guess I looked at that wrong way yeah but then Mm. if you if you're saying she's not in on it then that does give him a good alibi for that night because he would have been at home in bed with his wife if she was in on it and helped him write the note she could have easily just been his alibi meanwhile the kids are asleep and he could have snuck out and it's a stretch possible it's just a stretch but I'm, i'm just i think that would make a difference whether or not she she i mean she would be an alibi or not yeah john ramsey also hired a private investigator to watch Bill McReynolds for some time. It's safe to assume that John thought that he was a prime suspect in his mind because that didn't come out until years later. He did that on his own while this was going on. Smart. Boulder DA Mary Lacey said that she had Bill McReynolds as her prime suspect for some time. His handwriting is listed as as questionable, but his DNA is reported as not a match, but there's also other reports out there that say his DNA was never collected. We don't really know. A a messed up investigation, (laughs) and we don't know. Bill's son, Jesse McReynolds, was interesting to the police because of his police record. He had served two and a half years in an Arizona prison for aggravated robbery and kidnapping and does not have an alibi for the night in question. See, here's another weird piece associated with this guy. (laughs) Right. He lives, Jesse lived about 30 minutes from Boulder, and he says that he was home that night drinking scotch, and then he took some prescription medications and went to sleep. 
Steve Thomas says that handwriting uh, samples eliminated Jesse McReynolds, but that's Steve Thomas's opinion. Yeah. What would be his son's connection? Like, what would be Jesse McReynolds' connection? Did he know the family? Was he close with the family? If he helped him do it, maybe. Just as an alibi more. Right, like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, there was two unidentified footprints downstairs in the basement, a pair of shoes and a pair of high-tech boots. But it's also possible that that could have been anybody walking through that crime scene that whole day. Right. Last week, we talked about um, DA Alex Hunter made a public call for anybody to help him find the manufacturer of a stuffed bear. Bill McReynolds brought Christmas-themed stuffed animals with him as his, quote, helpers. There was a Christmas bear found on John Bonet's bed that you can see in the crime scene photos, but now has mysteriously just disappeared. There's no, there's no record of it being collected as evidence, and the Ramses could never account for it. But it was sitting there. I mean, you can see the pictures of it. Maybe your papa took it when he cleaned up the house. <laughs> Pam Paw, I mean. <laughs> Pam Pat Paw, is that what we named her? <laughs> Some reports say that this bear was bought for a recent pageant that John Bonet competed in, and it was bought for the girls that won, but it looked almost identical to bears that Bill McReynolds took with him when he played Santa. And Bill McReynolds died in 2002. No deathbed confession. Nope. Wouldn't that have made things nice? <laughs> yeah. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Gary Olivia. Uh, At the time, he was 32 years old, registered as a sex offender living in Boulder, Colorado. When John Benny was killed, he had been living in the area on and off. In 2000, he was arrested for a drug charge, and when searching him, police found a magazine cut out of John Benny Ramsey in his book bag. (laughs) Why? (laughs) See what I'm saying? There's just these weird things. The Ramsey was a sex offender. Right. Yes. And she's very publicized. Yeah. You know, un- is unfortunate and as disgusting as it is. I'm sure there's tons of pedophiles out there that are real interested in John Benet Ramsey. Yeah, that's I'm a good point. Sure. Disgustedly sure of it. Probably yeah. not that unusual. Yeah, you're right. The Ramsey's private investigator referred to Olivia as uh, quote bombshell arrest in the case and publicly blasted the Boulder Police Department for failing to consider him a more credible suspect. And maybe they should have. I mean, at least look at him a little bit deeper. Soon after Olivia's high school friend, Michael Valley, stepped forward with an allegation. He claimed that not long after the murder, Olivia called him on the phone and confessed to him that he, quote, hurt a little girl. Valley also said, in his opinion, the knots on the garrote that strangled JonBenet were similar to ones used in an incident where Olivia attempted to choke his mother to death with a telephone cord. And when they found, and when they arrested Gary Olivia on that drug charge, they also found he had a stun gun in his possession. Olivia, by his own admission, lived about eight blocks away from the Ramseys and was seen and photographed at the one-year memorial vigil held in front of the Ramseys' Boulder home. But Damn. <laughs> There's a lot of pieces to this one. Yeah, but there are reports uh, saying that he has been cleared in that DNA testing. That's interesting, though. I mean, calling his friend saying he hurt a little girl, maybe feeling some guilt seeing all the news reports. Yeah. I mean, the DNA trumps everything, though. Yeah. Do Registered you hold a sex lot of... offender chilling outside their house for the one-year things. Well, especially since a lot of people return to the scene of the crime, too. Yeah, that's I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's it's 
crazy to think that he would might show up. The DNA testing, yeah, I guess so. It's just I don't know if you can trust anything with this investigation. They're like, oh, Santa Bill, we yeah, we got his DNA. Oh, maybe we didn't. We don't know. No. Like it's just you don't know. But I, I mean, if they're for sure they had his DNA, then okay. It's just what reports are saying. The right. news, it's and there's not... there's so many different reports that yeah. who knows. That one's weird. I mean, unless he submitted to voluntary DNA testing, I mean, it's not that easy to get a warrant. To Isn't that where you walk up and jerk off in a cup? Didn't we, didn't we discuss that? Right? Isn't that how yeah. it works? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember. What episode was that? I don't remember. Maybe Avail- Zodiac. That's available in the archives. Instead of the uh, the cotton, the, just the swab in the mouth, no. you made the leap I that they have to jerk de- off in cups. I want a police department that goes so thorough, you got to jerk <laughs> off into a cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any hoodles. So next we move to this guy named Michael Helgoth. He worked at a nearby auto salvage yard, and apparently he had some kind of uh, like property dispute with the Ramses. At the time he was 26, this was pointing towards maybe a motive for him seeking revenge against John Ramsey. In 1997, the Boulder District Attorney delivered a speech at a press conference with a stern promise of justice for John Bonet and that the case would be solved. He pointed out that they have new suspects and as law enforcement continues to work on the investigation, that that list of suspects will shrink until there's just one left quote you speaking directly to whoever killed John Bonet. And it, it seemed like this was like, he specifically chose his words to like speak to somebody, you to know, spook them yeah. into some sort of action. Right. So Helgoth, according to his co-worker at the time of the murder, John Kennedy, said that Helgoth showed many troubling behaviors, including harming animals. According to his co-worker Kennedy, Helgoth would often talk about what it would be like to crack a human skull. In November of 1996, he told his co-worker that he and an associate were going to make fifty dollars to $60,000 each. So $118,000. Adds up. Yeah. Then, after Christmas, Helgoth seemed depressed, and his coworker said he thinks he was depressed because he did not make that the fifty to sixty thousand dollars he was talking about. The day after the DA speech, Helgoth was found dead, and his death was ruled a suicide. But the evidence suggests that it could have been a murder staged as a suicide. So one day later, yep, this guy's dead. Hmm. When they were searching his items. The police noticed two things that interested them, a stun gun and a pair of high-tech boots. <laughs> God damn. How are all these pieces of evidence? I, I... Like, in my mind, every single person we've discussed is guilty of this. <laughs> I know. Lock all of them up. Like, there's scenarios where every one of these people would have been convicted and put in prison yeah. for this based on this evidence. For yeah. less evidence right. than we've discussed. <laughs> so, as we talked about before, people believe that, you know, though they couldn't put the size on the boot the high-tech boots found at the crimes at john benet's crime scene but people obviously are going to make the mental leap to be like oh yeah. police also found that Helgoth had this large collection of vhs tapes and when they were going through these one movie had a news station story about an unsolved murder just like cut and hidden in the middle of a movie according to law enforcement the video just plays along and then all of a sudden like boom this news report is just right in the middle of the movie and it goes to news coverage of the abduction and murder of a five-year-old girl who was found stuffed in a sleeping bag in Deer Creek Canyon from 1993. The, the fact that it was a, the abduction of a five-year-old girl 
is extremely telling and weird. The fact that it was just shoved in the middle of a VHS tape, I don't think is that weird because I did that all the time growing up. Like by accident, I would have like recorded all the old WWE pay-per-views and then you'd like try to record something like on MTV and not realize you were like in the middle of it. You know, I'm trying to record the Britney Spears videos. You not realize you're in the middle of it and then like it it you you it, po- it like you record it right in the middle of something. Right. You don't mean to like nonchalantly put it in there, mm-hmm. but it happens. Now the fact that it was the abduction of a five year old girl that's weird, but well, and the fact that it was the, an actual movie, yeah. Could you record over movies? Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. You just put the tape over the slot or whatever it was. Yeah, right. I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. I thought you had to buy the specific like tapes for recording that were like blank, didn't have anything. No, you could record over VHS. Just, right? just tape over the slots that were poked out. So. I, I maybe so. I mean, you probably. It's right. been a long I time. I was a little kid when VHSs were relevant. It, it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know what? Betamax tapes in your youth. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah. So I guess so. This was a legit movie. Yeah. This like was, it was was intentional. This, this hiding it in the middle of a movie, like something That's weird, like something to be able to go back and watch at a later time to. Mm. enjoy yeah all right thought i was trying to help this guy out clearly i did not the theory is is that helgoth caught wind that he was a suspect and decided to to kill himself the day after that the da was the day after the day after the da said (laughs) we have a new suspect and we're gonna get you speaking directly in the camera you yeah to spook whoever you is right i want to remind everyone that we have all of this information and yet everybody goes after Burke. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. With very little information other than he was her brother. Okay. We said that there was another pair of shoes there. If those were the people, if that was related to JonBenet's murder, some people suggested that this guy would have had an accomplice. People point towards John Stephen Giggs as being his accomplice. John had a criminal record of violence and a history of sexual assault. If you believe that Helgoth did not commit suicide and was killed by someone, this suggests that John Giggs could have killed Helgoth and prevent him from confessing during an upcoming interrogation or from him turning himself in, like being scared, you know. At the scene of Helgoth's death, they found his gun was in his non-dominant hand and he was shot in the chest, so... That's called the stranger when you sit on your <laughs> sit on your left hand for thirty seconds and shoot yourself. It doesn't feel like it's you doing it. <laughs> well, it's not suicide then. You can get in heaven. <laughs> the stranger did it. Oh no. Oh boy. <laughs> it's just that that doesn't really sound like a suicide to me, but uh It's just thing after thing after <laughs> thing with this story. That one gets real deep, though, with like an accomplice and then the way he died. And like, there's a lot to that one. All of it makes sense. Yeah, because if you're staging a suicide, that non dominant hand thing is something you can fuck up if you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what's a lefty. Yeah. In defense of John Giggs, he reached out and contacted Boulder, the Boulder Police Department. And he says that he provided them with documentation that proves he was not in Boulder on December 25th, 1996. Helgoth's family was asked to cooperate and let authorities test his DNA against the t- the touch DNA samples they had, and his family said no. Mm. Can you not get a warrant for some uh, post-mortem DNA? Um, I feel like you can. It seems like you would be able to get that. 
If you wanted to get it. I mean, are they looking for that at this point? Are they trying to get it? If they're asking his family, they are. And we're talking. Uh, how hard are they pressing, though? Yeah. We're talking 1997. I, I know laws have changed drastically since then. Yeah. Especially with all the uh, 23andMe and all those things. Mm-hmm. Next, we move to Jeff Merrick. He was an ex-Access Graphics employee. He met John Ramsey in 1971. They met when they both worked at AT AT&T in Columbus, Ohio. Jeff was one of the people that helped John Ramsey start Access Graphics. He quit in 1996 when, according to Merrick, the company was in trouble and John Ramsey needed to cut some salaries. He said that Access Graphics owed him... (laughs) Of course they did. But they settled and he received half of that money. He did file ethics violations with the corporate headquarters at Lockheed Martin, which we know owned Access Graphics. Jeff's alibi for the night of JonBenet's murder is he visited his wife Kathy's brother in Aurora, Colorado, and then visited friends Dick and Diane Foote, and they were home around 8 p.m. and watched TV and then went to bed. Him and his wife did not cooperate with police in the sense of giving fingerprints and blood, hair, handwriting samples, stuff like that. But they were questioned multiple times and did answer all the police police's questions willingly. And he has come out and publicly defended himself, saying that you know he and his wife are out there talking. They're talking to the police without issue, and the Ramses are are not. Valid question. Yeah. There's other Access Graphics employees that were questioned, and basically all they all said the same thing. Like, hey, we're talking to the police. Where the fuck are you guys at? Right. Yeah, I don't blame them. So. I mean, so I assume John John named this guy as a suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the 160 people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just included him there because that's, of course, this guy had sued them or, or claimed that they owed $118,000. <laughs> what a random fucking <laughs> so number. Bizarre. Next is Chris Wolf. He sued the Ramses because they named him a suspect in their book. And this is the thing we've uh, judged Julie Carnes, her, her ruling that we've quoted a bunch of stuff over this series came from this lawsuit. Chris Wolf came to attention from his girlfriend, Jackie Delson. Uh, she came forward to police and stated that Chris Wolf was out all night long that night, the night of John Bonet's murder. And when he came home, he was covered in mud and he was acting really weird. His girlfriend added that he should be considered a suspect in the death of the murder of Suzanne Chase, who Chris Wolf was dating at the time she was murdered. Oh, boy. His connection regarding the Ramseys or the case itself was that he was a journalist who worked as a reporter for the Colorado Daily and the Boulder County Business Reports. And he interviewed Cheryl McGraw, who was a secretary at Access Graphics. Kind of weird or really weird. Chris Wolf's alibi is completely the opposite statement of his girlfriend. He says that he was in bed at approximately 9.30 or 10 p.m. and did not wake up or or anything until the next morning. But she says he wasn't even home. And came home covered in mud. <laughs> right. The only motive that I was able to find that Chris Wolf, or that Chris Wolf would have had a grudge or, or do anything was that he was like a, he had a very, very deep grudge against big business and, Stuff like access I don't graphics. Think that's enough to to assume you're gonna kill a girl over. I mean, that one kind of seems like a scorned, upset girlfriend. Yeah. With this the story, I know we're not diving yeah. into all of them, but well, in defense of that's him, that's a stretch. In defense of Chris Wolf, it, if he was guilty of killing John Bonet, 
it's pretty unlikely that he would go sue them and be willing to be sitting yeah. by that Linwood guy yeah. and get grilled. True, true. You know. But did that did he have high tech boots, a stun gun, um <laughs> tour of the house? <laughs> everyone else seemed to. And the uh the last bit we'll get to here. In 2006, a former school teacher, John Mark Carr, confessed out of the blue to the murder of John Bonet. I remember all this when this went down, this wacko. Yeah. On August 17, 2006, Thailand authorities arrested John Mark Carr, and at the time he was a 42-year-old American teacher. He had been living in Thailand after facing child pornography charges in the U.S., and had been emailing a Colorado professor and was making incriminating statements about his involvement in John Bonet's death. The Boulder DA's office wanted to charge him with murder, so he was extradited back to the United States and brought to Boulder, Colorado to be arraigned for murder. On August 20th, 2006, he gave a video interview where he said, quote, I love John Bonet and she died accidentally. And the reporter asked him, are you an innocent man? And he said, no. The reporter asked him what happened, and he said her death was an accident. The reporter then asked him, so you were in the basement? Carr said, yes. And the reporter asked him, can you tell us about your connection to the Ramsey family? He replied, no. He was asked, how did you get into the basement? He said, no comment. And they asked him, how do you feel now? How have you been treated? And he said, he's been treated okay. And said, how long have you known John Bonet? And again, he said, I have no comment. Another statement that he released was, quote, I was with John Bonet when she died. It's very important for me that everyone knows that I love her very much, that her death was unintentional, that it was an accident. Then on September 4th, 2006, People Magazine claimed that they had an exclusive jailhouse interview with John Mark Carr, but it turns out that they were just pulling the tabloid stuff, that this wasn't accurate. It was with Thailand authorities who were just relaying to them what Mark Carr (laughs) supposedly said. Selling magazines. They said that Carr said, (laughs) quote, the Ramseys think their daughter was brutally murdered and she wasn't. It looks like that, but she wasn't. I want them to hear the truth. I need closure, and her family needs closure. All of us have gone through enough pain. Thanks for playing, dude. (laughs) Get out of here. So then the the Boulder District Attorney that they were dropping, they were going to drop charges against John Markar and and John Benet's murder. Um, His DNA did not match the sample taken from the crime scene. It's also been reported that the police never interviewed Carr's family or anybody associated with him prior to his arrest and extradition to the United States. They just kind of jumped the gun on this because his family has alibis for him that he was with them on the night that, that John was yeah. killed. So and he's a kook. Um, so so they maybe just say, what do they, they just make of this guy that he's just a crazy person who's just trying to get some attention and yeah. some media bliss. Just someone that was obsessed with her yeah. and... I read that that guy has a new name and a new gender now. Really? That's what I read. Sometimes I don't know if you're being truthful, Dave, or if you're making jokes that are over my head because of movies like Ivan. No, I'm not. (laughs) I was just, in my own personal research, one of the stories said that he was living under a new name and a new gender somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, he's not in jail? I don't believe so. I know he got in trouble. He did served some time for his child pornography charges. Mm. After this, he was, I think it was California, and said mm. he was sent to after yeah. this. Sounds like he's out yeah. living good. the good life. So, so that's, that's, that's every, well, that's not everybody. There's tons of suspects, but that's yeah, all the ones. Yeah, there's a bunch more. Yeah. It's crazy. That's all the ones I felt. 
yeah, held that, any weight that whatsoever. we're worth talking about. Like I watched that hunting John Bonet's killer, that Elizabeth Vargas one from a couple years mm. ago. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just nothing. <laughs> like they just threw out names, or they, they they talked to John Ramsey. And they there was like this lady in prison who suspected the guy that she was in prison for trying to murder. <laughs> he did it. He, the guy's like, sure, swab me. So he gave him DNA. It didn't match. Yeah. Then there, there was another interesting one. Did you see that guy Todd Schoenlau? Did you read that? There's like another similar murder of a five-year-old not too far from there. And then in Kauai, his brother's in prison for murdering a seven-year-old. It's a lot of similarities. And they were like around there. Hmm. I don't know. It was an interesting one. He gave DNA sample too, but it was inconclusive. In that DNA, I mean, you know, I wonder how reliable that DNA really is yeah. because we know. I mean, they moved out her body so many times and yeah. through that, uh, they put a different blanket. The was it the Colorado Avalanche sweatshirt mm-hmm. over her feet and yeah, a second blanket upstairs, right? Right, and a sweatshirt plus the sweatshirt plus was it John that brought her up? Yeah, and then they moved. They brought her to the kitchen. And then who moved her on to under the Christmas tree? Linda Arndt moved her again. I feel like even if they found the person, that a good attorney would get all that thrown out as inadmissible because it's so tainted. I yeah. do not hold a lot of stock in any of the DNA yeah, yeah. evidence because you can't. I don't. You just there's just too many questions. But it was fun at four different spots on her the same match. Yeah, so yeah. it's got to be somebody. I mean, it was yeah. under her fingernails and stuff, right? It wasn't just incidental. The fingernail, yeah, sure. But that was, but that's even, I, I, like you said, a good lawyer could throw that out because the coroner used the same clippers on every finger. And then it was proved that they used, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Then they used uh, the same clippers on multiple bodies. So that's Jeez, not, so maybe, right. maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not holding but up that's in court. What, just about every piece of evidence in this entire thing, you can poke a hole in. Mm-hmm. But then any theory you bring up, you, you, you can poke 10 holes in. Yeah, it's that's just the problem. Insane. All right, so what are we thinking here? So the first thing we went through was the the bedwetting, or just the in general the accidental. I understand the the theory Patsy. of of getting mad at a child, and I understand the statistics of you know maybe physically abusing a child. I don't I don't understand that mindset, but I understand the statistics of physically abusing a child. It just seems like there's not a whole lot of evidence for that, like we talked about, and I think like Dave said, like you're 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 picking who you your suspect and then you're just working backwards and trying to make together make up a story as to how it happened yeah i don't believe there's any evidence to support that claim yeah i think you have to do some make some major mental leaps to believe that she would have accidentally hit her head off of something and then instead of calling 911 she made that weird garrote that's not even really a garrote and then sexually assaulted her wrote the ransom note all just to stage this yeah i don't believe it yeah we we are shitting on the bedwetting theory. <laughs> or, yeah, just we're, we're shitting on the piss. Well, I don't think Patsy did this. So just Patsy accidentally doing anything, yeah. any type of accident is. I, I don't think it's plausible, in my opinion. The to accidentally sweater, hit her head. The sweater is one of the defining moments of the this month for me. The last four weeks, that is one of the only things that sticks out to me. You cannot ignore that, no matter what your theory is. It was in all the right places for it to be her. Now, do you have a motive? No, I don't think you do. But you have her sweater 
that she was confirmed wearing the night before this death all over the crime scene. I don't think that can be ignored, and I find it hard to write Patsy off because of it. But I don't have a motive to say it was her. So that's my only thing on Patsy. Yeah. I mean, that kind of evidence doesn't lie. In the sticky part of the tape on JonBenet's body. Yeah. That's that's really tough to just gloss over or to, 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 to say no. But again, I don't have a motive as to why it would have been her. So that's it. That was That's my only thought on that. Solid logic. The other one we talked about was like marital problems, and we went through the globe, which we know that that's complete. I don't buy that. Just garbage. I do a lot. I don't think many people think it was John who did it. I think the biggest thing on John is who did he cover up for people, mm. right? I right. Mean, like that's that's did. essentially all we talked about was he might have covered up for someone, right? For either Patsy or or Burke, right? So the, then the next person would be Burke. Which I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that I, I don't think he had an, absolutely anything to do with this. I don't either. I agree. I think Burke is the easiest answer when you just look at and say, oh, who might have killed her? But then I just don't see that there's any evidence or a motive as to why. And they, I mean, you keep going back. They keep going back to like this golf club thing, which I don't think holds much weight at all if there was if he was angry at her if there was he wanted to abuse her and hurt her he would have done more than just an accidental hit with a golf club there right. would have been more proof i think people would have seen bruises on her body consistently or, cons- or, consistently yeah. you're not going to go from from a golf club hit to just killing her or you know abusing her bad enough that her parents need to finish her off or whatever it might be i i think burke is the easy answer but i don't Again, I'm, I just keep looking at motive, and I don't see what the motive is. There's no proof of a motive. I just feel like you can poke tons of holes in it, like you said earlier about how he. there's no way he would have held up under questioning. Not a chance. And for him to have done it, you'd have to make the stretch that they're doing the cover-up because he did it. And like I said, in that case, there's no way that he would ever talk to anyone like that. And you also have to be a parent that's going to cover up for something like that. Yeah. So that's a whole nother discussion. Could you cover up for a parent, for a kid that murdered your other kid? In, if, if you're going to say that Burke did it, you're either going to say that he hit her. And then instead of calling 911, they did all the garrote and the sexual assault. The parents. The parent, Patsy and John, to cover it up. Or you're going to say that Burke did all of that. Mm-hmm. And I... I, I really I don't care what anybody says. This is something that I, I will really stand by, in my opinion. After looking at all the crime scene photos and all the autopsy photos, in my opinion, there is no way a nine-year-old did that. I, I don't I, see that. I don't that. disagree. I'm not going to look at those photos, but I'm not going to argue with you. I want to take your opinion on it. The picture of the garrote after it was cut off her neck, how deep that rope went into her neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally, it's so deep into her neck and it's purple and it's brutal. There's no way a nine-year-old had enough strength to do that. I agree with you. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not going to argue that. And there's also no records of him having any type of therapy. We talked about that before. Or autism or any type of right. disorder. And that gets thrown around every, that gets thrown around so much. And, and someone by now would have been able to dig up something. They would have been able to dig up some type of credible piece of documentation, 
mm-hmm. or evidence, someone other than the fucking gardener just saying that the kid was. Yeah, he didn't like me. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? The maid? Yeah. Let me got the maid. I don't think there's much there. I don't know. She didn't do anything. That was sensationalized tabloid reporting yeah. that she was mad about this loan, but that that wasn't true. And she just got pissed because she was named a suspect. So then we get to Bill McReynolds because he's the he's the one people point to a lot. I mean, he's if you go off of what she said to her family to the, to her mom, her uh, her friend's mom, it almost seems like foreshadowing to what almost exactly what happened here. That alone, right there, is you know enough circumstantial evidence to point the finger at the guy Mm -hmm. and if that wasn't was it the fact that his daughter was kidnapped exactly 22 years later yeah i there's a lot there it's speculation but if there's truth to wanting his or wanting the gold glitter mixed with his ashes if he were to die that's not something normal that's not that's an odd request i don't know if i put that as evidence that he would have been the one to do it that's just but it is just a very odd request. Oh, it just shows an obsession with the little girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to build a case against him, it does not help. His his alibi. Shaky. It's not, not great. What, he used the one that said they went to bed 10 o'clock. Yeah. And, but they're only 30 miles away. You could have easily woke up when everyone was asleep and got there. I think the the point of view on the, the ransom notes, interesting that his wife was a movie critic. Because, like you said, it sounded like what someone would think of Ransom Note would sound like. It was filled with movie references. Yes, it was. If he's sitting there like, oh. SBTC, Santa Bill touches children. Or JC. What was the other one? Uh, Jesus Claus. (laughs) (laughs) What's his wife? Janet. Janet Claus. Santa Bill, Janet Claus. Um, I think there's something to be said about John Ramsey hiring an investigator, private investigator to watch this guy and doing it on his own. Yeah. I, that... To me, it makes sense that he goes up, gets her out of bed, comes downstairs. How's he get in? Through one of John's broken windows. I, you know, if that's, I mean, that broken window, maybe, I, you know, Lou Smith showed that somebody could get through that. Yep. Gets her out of bed, comes down. Makes her the bowl of pineapple and milk, drinks his tea, and writes the ransom note. And then he's like, "Oh, you know, Santa, we're gonna show you something down in the in the basement." And then it just spins out of control from there. Maybe even the plan is to make himself the hero and you know rescue her a couple of days later after the kidnapping. You know, stage the kidnapping, just like you talked about his you know twenty two years ago and his daughter and her friend. Hmm, fits. I agree. Wasn't he a journalism professor? So, I mean, he knows how Mm. to write. He's familiar with... He's not dumb. He's not dumb. Like some of these other jokers are not writing (laughs) that note. Yeah. So, since you brought up these guys probably not not knowing or not being capable of writing intelligently Mm. or at least using some stuff. So, the thing that always gets thrown out with Patsy is is the and hence. I forgot to bring this up because in the note... you know, it says, and hence. That's an odd thing, a phrase to use sure. all the time. There's there's history of her and John using that. But the year after their, the year after John Benny was killed, their, um, their Christmas message said, quote, had there been no birth of Christ, there would be no hope of eternal life and hence no hope of ever being with our loved ones again. Hmm. Unabomber got caught, something similar to that with, I believe it was have your cake and eat it too or reversed 
Because his brother recognized the phrasings that he used. Yeah, as soon as his brother saw it, he was like, yeah, there's only one person <laughs> I've ever heard that says it reversed like that, and that's my brother. What does it say? Eat your cake and have it too? Is that what he said? I don't remember the phrase. Whatever the phrase is, he said it backwards. I'm going to tell you right now, if my child dies the next year, I'm not sending out fucking a Christmas card or a letter. I wanted that to be known. Like, I'm... Yeah. I'm fucking going to be a hermit the rest of my probably life. Yeah. What a creepy fucking Christmas message. Had there been no birth of Christ, there would be no hope of eternal life and hence no hope of ever being with our loved ones again. Can't, can't you just say Merry Christmas? That's fucking a creepy Christ. thing to send out. Well, and pulling the and hence, you know, the and hence is from the war, from the ransom note. That's weird in and of itself. Could yeah. it have been someone that knew them though? They knew that they said that. Trying to be clever. Trying to cast suspicion back to the them. No, the note's the biggest thing. I mean, the note to me points to the Ramses, in my opinion. I think so, the, too. The, I note, think. the note and that, her sweater, Patsy's sweater, are are really point to the Ramses. Yeah. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. Since I forgot to yeah, put it in the right. outline. Next up, we will get to Gary Oliva. Olivia. Sorry. Gary Olivia. He's a real winner, too. Yeah, yeah, he's a real uh, upstanding citizen. <laughs> My opinion on him, with them finding the magazine cut out of her, that it could just be the guy that was uh, obsessed with her. He's a registered sex offender. Well, I think it's, I mean, in the the prose column, he's a sex offender. He's in the neighborhood. You like sex offenders? That's in the prose column? For him to be it. <laughs> Don't put that on me. <laughs> well, the guy has good qualities. He's a sex offender. Yeah, he's... <laughs> Like to diddle old, kids. Good-looking guy living in the Boulder area. <laughs> Clearly, he's well off. It's odd that they he find was... a picture in his book bag. Yeah, going to the memorial. That's odd. It's weird. And there's, I mean, he was there. There's pictures of him there. But it's also, it's also not odd in the sense of like it's it's a community thing. Like it's it's maybe something you want to just be a part of or just go check out. Yeah, it is. If you live there, if you're just a, even if you're a normal citizen, you might just want to show up and just go. It's an interesting suspect. I don't think there's enough there, though. It doesn't help the, no. the cause that, you know. But he was also what? He had made the comment that, that he, he hurt, hurt the girl. Yeah, they hurt a little girl. Sorry, I'm going back to the notes here. That's also telling. The day after, he called and said, I hurt a little girl. But that's also you're believing his friend. Sure. It's not any real evidence. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely circumstantial. Yeah. This next guy... If you're talking outside person mm-hmm. other than Bill McReynolds, this guy is the strongest, I think, of outside people. That's that Michael Helgoth. I mean, talk about coincidences. The day after the DA makes that strong statement saying it's you. We're coming down to you. And this guy is dead <laughs> yeah, the next dude. day. I mean, that's... Andy has high-tech boots. Andy has a stun gun. I don't know if I even put that in there. He had a stun gun yeah, in, his, yeah. in his house. Yeah, too. that was in there. Okay. Plus the VHS tapes. But I love to get. But the it wasn't proven the stun gun. Guy. It wasn't the, proven that the stun gun was actually used. Right, right. He was bragging about how he, him, and another person were going to make fifty to sixty grand each. Right. A lot of circumstantial evidence for this fella. A lot of weird, weird, weird. We're going to say coincidences here. I don't generally like that term, but. There's, there's, they just are though. There's a ton of coincidence there. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, I think it's possible. It's possible. There's some coincidences. I don't think there's as much as other people. Yeah. 
the fact that his DNA, that his family said no to the DNA too, leaves major suspicion up there. You know, just leaves it mm-hmm. hanging that you could have cleared him. Yeah, but the family doesn't necessarily know. Like, if my family member died and they were like, "We want to investigate them for murder," I might just be like, "No, fuck you, get out of here." You don't want to help. No, you don't want to help the police. I think I would say my my if I thought my my family member had nothing to do with it, I would say no, get out of mm-hmm. here, let him just rest in peace. Is what I would probably say. There's a lot here, though. The VHS tape being cut with the abduction of the five-year-old. It's fucking weird. The boots. I still have a hard time with the evidence in the house because there was so many people in and out. Right. But high-tech boots, I mean, that says something. But Mm. you don't know what the victim advocates people were wearing. And they could have been all over the house. Could Fleet have had high tech boots? He was down there, right? Yeah. Could he have stepped in it? Or the could the police? Or the what are the police wearing? Could yeah. they have had high tech boots? I don't know. I just it's hard to say when it comes to the house. What you know? What evidence might have been traced through? Yeah. But he adds up. He adds up in a lot of ways. And then the other guys we went over were uh, Jeff Merrick, which. He just ties in with the hundred eighteen thousand dollars. I don't think there's yeah, any. I think you can discount the rest of everyone, right? I believe so. John Wolf. Marcar obviously is a jackass. The reporter, there's really nothing. Chris Wolf, more the than, reporter. Yeah, I don't have a lot of stock in those guys. I don't think. And then you get the grand jury indictment because if you go off any of the suspects we just talked about, How the Ramses wouldn't yeah. protect any of those people. I don't think, and that's what they were indicted for. Unless, recommended to be indicted for unless somehow this happened outside intruder and they immediately thought suspicion would go to burke i guess so they you know did this whole ransom note hoax cover-up even though they had not been guilty of the crime itself i don't that doesn't really make sense <laughs> but i you know, i don't know you don't you don't think, okay, so I guess that we'll just come push come to shove. I'll give my answer then here. I did not have an opinion until I got to the, 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 these notes today. Right. And my thought, and I lean towards that I think it's, it's Santa Bill. You don't think that the grand jury might have had information that the parents maybe allowed John Bonet be, to be around him too much? Maybe not to be assaulted, but around him too much? And when they when they determined that it was maybe him, they put the blame on the parents for allowing her to be around him so much, thus putting her in harm's way. My thought is it's Santa Bill. It's that's my possible. Thought. That's, that's a the most stretch of an indictment, though. But we don't know what they know. We don't know anything that yeah. they know. The other thing that was pointed out to me, and I looked into, and it, it's true. Uh, one of the patrons pointed out to me, it's pretty damn easy to get a grand jury indictment in this country. And it is, from what I was looking at, it's true that... That's also true. That they peop, they come back with grand jury indictments all the time on innocent people. That That's also true. <laughs> but, I mean, it's really, it's like kind of shockingly easy to get a grand well, jury Well, there's no defense. It's just submitting, right, showing evidence. them some evidence. And so you show a grand jury all that evidence of how the Ramseys behaved with all their lawyers and not cooperating... I could see coming back with, in my opinion, if I was on that jury and saw that, I'd be like, fuck yeah, they hindered this investigation. And then if you say, do your well, point. I think just, they didn't hinder the investigation, yeah. but I don't, what was the motive? I don't know. They right. absolutely hindered the investigation. That doesn't mean they're guilty. Right. That doesn't mean they're guilty of murder. I'm choosing to ignore 
Patsy's sweater, and I think it was Santa Bill, I, to me, is the most logical explanation. And you can poke holes in it, but you can poke holes in any theory. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick someone, that one just seems to add up the most to me. And I think that does speak to the grand jury, which I put a little bit of faith in, I guess. Not a ton, but a little bit. I mean, if, based on their statement, if that's how it was, with then other than Burke, I guess it would make the most sense that it could be Santa Bill. Yeah, I get you. You know what? You're not just throwing out ignorant comments or whatever that uh that iTunes review said. You're coming up with some good stuff tonight. You're coming up with yeah. uh. That's not too much, Mike. Tonight, no. This is good. Good, Mike. Jeez. Still worth three stars, I guess. <laughs> Take that. Putting out stuff I didn't even think of. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. The one thing I will say 100% and no one will ever change my mind about is that Burke had nothing to do with it. And no one will ever convince me that a nine-year-old could do that amount of damage. I am absolutely in agreement there. And I I feel bad for Burke. I would not argue that at all. Like I said before, his life, it's, you know, his life for the most part, I would assume just stopped on that day. And he's been known as nothing but a potential murderer. And yeah. had false information just put out about him left and right. And and if anybody disagrees with me and can throw out some solid documentation to prove any of their points about him, you'll listen. Feel yeah. free because I'd it. love to read it. Because Ian just did sixty four pages worth <laughs> of notes and found jack shit. So I would love we to challenge read it. you to bring it. And there's a reason. But that's that, not uh, you know everyone's got their theory. Yeah, it's not to shit on anyone. There's a reason that CBS paid him a fuck ton of money. For that 20th anniversary documentary? Nope. I, I, I agree. All right, so are, what are you guys going to say then? I mean, what are you guys thinking? Let me ask you this. What do you put then in that sweater from Patsy? I'm blatantly choosing to ignore it, and I know that it adds up very negatively for her, but I'm, I just think that Santa Bill thing adds up more to me. But that sweater is in all the right places to make sense. Then I start thinking maybe... She wore that sweater all the time. Maybe it was her favorite sweater, and so. Yeah, but that nylon cord didn't come from the house. The rope. It was in the nylon cord. Yeah. And it was in the inside of the sticky part of the tape on her mouth. Supposedly, the cord did not come from inside that house. Even yeah. if it did, it's on the tape. It's on the cord. It's on the blanket, and where it was in the bed. Was it in the? There was four places. Like around the paintbrush. The paintbrush, I think. Or yeah. like in the paint cup. Which maybe, I mean, she was the painter. Yeah. So that could be, I think, understandable. Yeah. It was the paintbrush caddy, the blanket used to wrap John Benet's body while she was dead. Okay. But you could have tucked her in in that. Yeah. And you it's your own paintbrush. The sticky side of the duct tape. Okay. And on both side, both of the ropes... Both of the cord, sides of the cord used to make the garage. I wonder if the if the if part of the sweater was already on the blanket though, and you cover her body up, could it just get on the tape in the garage? Yeah, I think with the crime scene contamination, I'm just gonna choose to. And you like know you what? Said, that's overlook a, that. That's a very specific yeah. piece. I'm gonna throw out this scenario real quick. Patsy was wearing that sweater all day, that whole day that John Benet's body yeah. was found. Christmas. Well, well, it was Christmas, right? Right. So we don't know who put the new blanket over top of John Bonet. When she was upstairs. When she was upstairs. When they allowed Under her the Christmas to go So I'm just going to throw out this scenario. She's brought up. She still has the garage around her neck. It, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't taken off until the autopsy, so it's there. 
the duct tape was pulled off downstairs by John Ramsey, and then mm-hmm. Fleet White brought it back upstairs. Right. So what if Patsy was the one that grabbed the blanket, got fibers on her, her, you know, fibers from her sweater, got on that new blanket, and when she put it over John Bonet, boom, it's all over everything. Yeah, I mean, all those pieces of evidence were here, they're there. This person's touching it. That person's touching it. Yeah, I think that's a logical. If she's the one that put that blanket over top of her, that's a logical. It still would have to get on the inside of the tape. But it, the but tape if... was already pulled off. Remember, John pulled it off and then Fleet left brought it, it down there. Left it down there and then Fleet went back down, picked it up, and brought it back upstairs next to John Benet's body. He might have had. He might have given her a hug when he got there and got the fibers on him. You know, exactly. It's just everything was everywhere. He could have patted her on the shoulder, sure. like held her on the shoulder. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And I don't think she had anything to do with it. So I'm, I'm gonna. I don't think that's a stretch. I, I don't have a reason to think Patsy had anything to do with it either, other than that sweater was very. I still hold that as as a as a high piece of evidence to me. But like I said, I'm overlooking that because of the amount of things that happened in the house. And Santa Bill to me makes the most sense. And I, you know, I could just be blaming an innocent man who cared about children a lot, but it's also a weird story. You know, I wasn't leaning that way either until this week. And I honestly thought was leaning towards Patty, Patty, Patsy having written the note. But I, you know, as we talked through it, I'm not so sure. I think I'm with you on this guy. It's the most logical explanation. I think so. And it's, always, not, it's still not even completely logical. No. It, but when yeah. when you're looking at this whole story and based on what we know. I always thought it was someone outside the house. I don't think anyone in the house killed her. He had a tour of the house. He had been there for three straight years. He had the trust of the family. He obviously adored John Bonet and she adored him. Yeah. Is it, and, and, I, and 22 years ago to the day, his daughter and her best friend were kidnapped by an unknown person and his best friend or his daughter's best friend was raped or molested. And his daughter was not. And his daughter was not. That's a lot. Like I said before, I feel like you could get struck by lightning and then get struck by lightning a second time. Yeah. And you can also plan a trip to where'd they go? Spain. To Spain a year out and be able and, and say, well, look, I planned this a year out. Well, yeah, but you've also been in this house for three straight years. And maybe in 1995, John Bonet gave you a tour of the whole house. Showed you exactly what you wanted. You wanted the glitter she gave you to be mixed with your ashes. Like that's yeah. that's a weird connection, I think. Yeah, I I mean I'm by no means certain, and I, I'm, we're obviously just guessing. But sure, that's we if I had people- to guess, that I think is the highest percentage probability. There's too many strange things there. I think where I where I fall on everything after doing all this, I think that the the Ramseys did hinder the investigation clearly i i don't know what the motive behind that i don't know what the motive would have been behind that i don't know part of me feels that there's a lot of behavior not translating to the average person and what i mean by that is the ceo of a company that is owned by lockheed martin which is one of the biggest weapons developers in this country it's going to be different than any other person, even a wealthy person, even a millionaire. It's mm-hmm. going to be different. And I think some of that hindering could easily be the lawyers and people high up at Lockheed Martin saying, shut the fuck up and do do it how we tell you to do it. Yeah. I also still wonder, too, if maybe they had more information about Santa Bill than we are aware of. Maybe the fact that there was those that incident with his daughter Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
and that they were kind of privy to the information that was going to be eventually presented to the grand jury and they saw themselves at fault. Maybe they knew that Santa Bill was maybe a little bit creepy, yet they let her daughter, their daughter around him a lot, sit on his lap, ask him for presents, give him a tour of the house. And they were just kind of protecting themselves at that point because they knew it was, you know, what's done is done. Speculation, of course. If I had to pick one of these people, I would agree with you guys and say and say Santa Bill. I did not think a month ago we were going to go three for three on agreeing on who it might be. Huh. If, if you had to pick these ones. Based on what we learned. Yeah. I mean, I and, and I have no idea. So. Uh, and me, and me neither. neither. Yeah. None of us. And just never going to. But no. There's a few more pieces, I think, that fits in with that scenario. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. The only and again, thing- we're overlooking a ton of evidence, and we know that, but you have to if you're going to make a decision. Like there, and, you could you could poke holes in probably Santa Bill a million different ways, mm-hmm. but you can poke holes in everything else a million and one different ways. Well, and I feel like just me, random uh, guy sitting in Ohio, just debunked that sweater claim with the blanket. And if I can debunk that, mm-hmm. sli- even I didn't fully debunk it, but just slightly debunk it, a a very intelligent lawyer's gonna rip that apart oh, in court. Hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. So. I still think it's something to be considered though. No, oh, yeah. Evidence. Attorneys can rip it apart, but it still yeah. had to get there somewhere. But yeah, you're right. I don't know. And disclaimer, Necronomapod is not officially accusing Bill McReynolds of committing this crime. <laughs> it's also very no, true. It's just opinion. If just we, giving opinions. Yeah. If I had to land on somebody, I guess. And that what what he passed away, what, two thousand two? Yeah. 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 And there's reports that his DNA was cleared. There's reports that they never collected it. Well, that so was a big knows. thing for me is if his DNA had been cleared, then I might have changed my story. But like everything else with this investigation, it was just unknown. Like, we don't have a clear answer. Yeah. Who knows? It might have been some pedo drifter that was at a pageant show, got obsessed with her, broke in one night, killed her. Didn't have to break in. And was gone. 156 broken windows in this goddamn house. <laughs> you never know, man. <laughs> Weird shit happens. Yeah. I will forever think of John Ramsey as the guy who breaks windows to get into his house and lets his family freeze to death every night because of it. But I guess that's better than thinking of him as a killer, as other people do. You got any more thoughts or anything closing you want to do on a, a month's worth of Jean Bonnet? No, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. I I feel like the lesson I took away from this is to not get uh not get upset if somebody wants to be mean to me on the internet. So the we, person that called me an ignorant asshole. Did we asshole. talk about that last week, or did that <laughs> no. happen in the meantime? That happened in the meantime. Wow. But I was pretty, uh, I was pretty bummed out about that for a minute. But no, you shouldn't be. So people, but, are, yeah, that's are gonna troll. That's the lesson I've learned from this. Well, that's good. That's a good lesson. Yeah. I mean, you see how many people have freaking enjoyed this show. Yeah. Downloads are great. The feedback's great. People really enjoy the uh, content, and yeah. I think we're putting out. And you've worked hard, Ian, to put out like to debunk what is fake news and what's the real news and what's the actual facts and what was the alleged facts. Yeah. And the rest has come to your own conclusions. Right. I mean, we're not trying to draw conclusions. No. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Because we only gave our opinions because people have been asking for it. Because the next thing I know is I'm going to hop in Discord on Monday after this comes out and someone's going to bring up some other points and then it's going to make me think that Bill McReynolds didn't do it and I'll be back to thinking maybe somebody else might have done it. Right. My opinion's flipped every week, We've every outline. So I don't know. Each piece of evidence points a different way. So. Yeah. It really does. It's just, you know, you can't know. You can't be that that 
set with what you think with this one because there's just so much to contradict it. That's it. All right. So, Ian, that's it. You got anything else? You've done a lot of research on this one. No, that's it. You're excited for a nice break, something different next week? And Dave's doing the next outline. No. I'll catch up on some, some video games playing. Nice. Hang out. We got a good February planned if, if it all sticks to, you know, plan accordingly. It'll be a It won't, month. but sounds good. <laughs> I've done good with that. Hey, at least <laughs> next week. At least next week's going to be good for sure. I mean, that's the only one we have planned set. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. We'll save that as a teaser. Dave, you got anything else on this one? Uh, no. Rest in peace. Sad story. It is. Any final thoughts on beauty pageants? Uh, just stay away from them, maybe. Well said. Not a great idea. Not 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 good. Um, got some shout outs. We got a, a bunch of patrons this past week, so thank you very much to all of you. Um, shout outs to new patrons: Jason Wood, Scott Fitzgerald, Maddie Farmwald, Megan Streckfuss, Celine Desjardins, the. Bernanator, Troy Pearson, Sherry Mosley, Anna Tashetti, Kristen Anala, Blair, Lacey Shepard, Christina, Sam, and Ricky Brumley. Thank you guys very much for signing up for Patreon. Patreon, We really do appreciate it. If um, anyone out there listening wishes to join, we are at patreon.com slash necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? Since I got caught up last week, I only have a couple tonight. Uh, for iTunes, I have K.R. Dotson and Heathen Tattoos. Thank you guys for the reviews. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Dave, what do you got from the socials? From Instagram, Danny Mazik and Jerry Campbell. From Twitter, ButtSlayer45. <laughs> Great handle. Pod Van Dam and Jordan Gasly. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And our friends at Pod Van Dam just launched a Patreon. So if any of you guys are uh, have checked them out or into them and into their wrestling podcast, they just launched a Patreon and they got some good content coming up. So don't be a coward. Go sign up. Boom. Love it. Shout out to Pod Van Dam. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>